Return to the magnificence of Notre Dame in Disney's all-new movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. A fun, romantic adventure told with vibrant animation and music as soaring as its setting. Still the faithful protector of Notre Dame's beloved bells, Quasimodo now rings them with the help of Esmeralda's and Phoebus's little boy, Zephyr, who's Quasi's best friend. Stopping with Zephyr at a traveling circus owned by the evil magician Sarouche, Quasi is captivated by Sarouche's lovely assistant Madeline, but greedy Sarouche is plotting to steal the cathedral's most famous bell with Madeline's unwilling help. Encouraged by some laughably misguided advice from his gargoyle pals, Quasi listens to his own heart and discovers that he, too, must look past appearances to find true love. It's smart, funny, and packed with lessons about humanity for the whole family, raves Jim Brousseau of Ladies Home Journal. All the original voice talent reprise their roles, including Jason Alexander as Hugo, Tom Hulse as Quasimodo, Kevin Klein as Phoebus, and Demi Moore as Esmeralda. Jennifer Love Hewitt stars as Madeline, and Haley Joel Osment brings Zephyr to life in this magical, musical celebration of the beauty inside everyone. This week on the Made for TV podcast, it's The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, The Secret of the Bell. And now, our feature presentation. Bong. Bong. Look at that. <laughs> Kyle, I got to say, sometimes I think, do I put more work into this podcast than Kyle? But then I can see you put <laughs> minutes of work into that. <laughs> Less than recording. about 30 minutes. <laughs> if you can tell my voice is very raspy right now, because I just, just put the finishing touches on it, which means that I recorded the last track and played it through it. So that's about nice. I listen. That was wonderful. If I could offer one criticism, <laughs> I feel like you could have swapped one of the Hell's Bells with tried to work in La Fidel's Bells. Gosh dang it! Now I'm gonna have to to redo the whole thing. And that took me 25 minutes. 
25 minutes, your son was crying in the background. I'm hungry, Daddy. Not right now! It wasn't my son. It was my daughter, and she was oh, crying because okay. she's trying to sleep. And well, yeah. who knew that singing ACDC at, at your loudest volume would be would make it difficult for uh, for a baby to sleep in the house? Who knew? Who knew? Obviously not you. <laughs> Wow, Kyle, here we are on a totally, our, our, for our first time talking about uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, or is it? <laughs> this seems very, this, there's a lot of, I'm feeling the deja vu right now, I guess. Yeah? It, it feels You're like feeling... we've done this before. Oh my gosh. Could it be because we in fact have, hello, loyal listeners, you may remember, Last week, I promised we were supposed to have a guest on this episode, and I did not lie, for we did record an episode of The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2 with our guest, Kyle Blessing, uh, but unfortunately, we had a technical snafu rendering it unusable. Uh, perhaps a better podcast could have figured out a way to salvage it. Uh, we could not, so not alas, <laughs> we scramble for a re-record, a a straight-to-video sequel of the straight-to-video sequel of podcasts. I would call this episode. We are uh, we're retreading the ground. We're it's really re- a gift that we get to talk about this one again for another four hours. Right? That's how yeah. long the first one went. So absolutely, four hours <laughs> of this one. Right? I was always I, I I was saying, I just feel like we left a lot of meat on that humpback. You know, there was a lot <laughs> yes. more to, to sink our teeth into. So we needed to go through another three hours of discussing the mm-hmm. Hunchback of Notre Dame. But you know what? I think it's a blessing, Kyle, okay? Because yes. yes. I've had a lot of things that have happened uh, uh, since that recording. So I have a lot of things in my life to talk about. And I know that's what people care the most about on this podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is our lives. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Our lives. That's, that's, what, they're, that's what they're here for. But I have to say, I did have a different cold open for that episode. And, you mm-hmm. know, the thing about cold opens is you can't serve them warm. You know, it was already heated up. So I had to yeah. come up with a new one. Absolutely, so. he did. Uh, so good for Kyle for being able to come up with two cold opens for Hunchback because I <laughs> texted him that I had nothing. <laughs> the first one was very, uh, just a gut reaction. It was just me singing the Notre Dame fight song, and that was it. So oh, that's, yeah. what we, that's what we missed out on. But. Uh, you missed out. Let's. This whole episode will just be us reminding you uh, what you could have had, <laughs> what you missed out on. It, it's a commentary on what yes. we did say. It, we're not saying any. We're just saying what we said at, at this part. Yes. Basically. <laughs> you know, um, oh, goodness. This is a total brain fart. It's going to come back to me, so I'm going to talk right through it. I know well, that it what? is. While you're thinking yes. about that, let me welcome everybody to the Made for TV podcast. This is the show dedicated to celebrating and exploring the unique world of movies made exclusively for the small screen. My name is Kyle. And my name is Scott. And this, of course, is our mini-series on the wonderful world of straight-to-home video Disney animated sequels, our premiere mini-series, our macro-series, as we call it. Um, And I did remember, while you were talking, you did Hell's Bells as the cold opening. You know how we love to play a game every episode. My original idea for a game was going to be everyone's favorite game coming back, D-Wind. But it was going to be all bell-themed songs. So I was gonna do Hell's Bells. I thought that would have been fun in reverse to 
try Hopefully to identify just those the bells. bells in reverse. That's it. Yeah, that was my plan was just the bells because I think his voice would be a little too obvious. I don't know. I feel like I would be able to get the bells. I mean, that's so iconic, yeah. right? <laughs> the bells were just reverse bells, like, I don't know how yeah. a reverse bell and the, And to Probably give myself... Like to give myself some comedic points uh, for a joke that I didn't even get to make, I was going to make the last song be Belle from Beauty and the Beast, you know? It's like a different type of Belle. Oh. Ah, I like it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We have a different game lined up. We have a round two of a game that Kyle already played uh, <laughs> that I had to make new uh, options for, but that's fine. It's a good game. I'm excited yeah. to play more of it. Oh, we got us a great tease. People, you're going to honestly stop the episode, fast forward two hours, I'm sure, however fucking long this conversation <laughs> is going to be, <laughs> and, and just listen to the game now, and then come back so you can understand how great it is as we talk about how great it is. Well, you know? Speaking of being teased, you teased your life this week, and I want to hear about it. Tell me about your life. Oh, my gosh, yes. So, first of all, my... My stepbrother Tony in town with his wife and kids because it was my niece's fourth birthday. So spent the whole day hanging out with them, jumping in a bouncy castle on uh, Saturday. That's right? legit. That's awesome. Yeah, it was legit. And then me and my stepbrother met up afterward to go to a bar. And then I didn't get home until 4 a.m. Because wow. uh, we were just out drinking and j- hopping from bars so well, that was the rough invite, i guess you know whatever oh, sorry. it was kind of a family thing kyle it was not a business me. co-worker thing we're just co-workers right yeah yeah absolutely yeah well i try not to <laughs> you know i try not to see you or talk to you outside of the podcast especially this one because yeah. we got to have fresh topics you know i can't there's such a small window between recording the same episode. I got to come up our with new material. Our lives are not that interesting. We deplete our resources pretty quick if we <laughs> see each other too much, right? Exactly. Um, but then last night, while he was still in town, I had an experience I'd never had before, Kyle. I don't want to. I hope there's no police officers listening, but. Hope cheapers. I tried the devil's lettuce for the first time last night. Holy smokes, you tried heroin? Yes. Shot up heroin in my house. (laughs) That's what's coming next. Gateway drug, that marijuana. Yeah, I tried a marijuana for the first time this week ever. First, and I got to be honest, I don't see it becoming a regular occurrence in my life. I didn't really care for it. You didn't. What did no. you did you uh, did you did you smoke it? Did you did you eat the uh, eat a brownie? I smoked it because I was uh, on my fasting schedule, which was hard to not break after smoking it because there were some grapes in the room that looked delicious, mm. and I had horrible cotton mouth. Uh, but I did withhold. I didn't eat anything so I could stay true to my diet. But uh, yeah. I don't know. You tried it once, you're doomed for life. You're, that is, I think that's accurate. And I can't be part of it, so sorry. Yeah. I, 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 uh, <laughs> not a lot of note from it other than just kind of feeling dizzy and feeling, you know, like when you're half asleep and you're like about to wake up, you know, like you're snapping mm-hmm. out of being half asleep. I felt like I was stuck snapping out of it for like 45 minutes, you know, like I couldn't get. I just kept almost feeling coherent, and it was annoying. Uh, and I, we were watching a movie, uh, and I had to turn it. I had to have them turn it off 
because I had I kept you mentioned deja vu related to this episode. I kept having a continuous feeling of deja vu like I was oh. remembering this movie, but I had never seen it and it was really freaking me out. Uh That's I have strange. to say. Yeah, I didn't know. I was it like, wasn't uh, Edge of Tomorrow, was it? And you were just rewatching every scene, or Groundhog Day, and you were just like, "Oh, this is." I've seen this movie before. Yeah, but it's the same. No. It, it was not that. Um, although two great movies. Actually, I've only seen one of those movies. I can't say two great movies. Which one? Uh, have, you haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow. You've had to. You have to have seen. Groundhog of course, Day. of course, I've seen Groundhog Day. Yeah, I've never seen Edge of Tomorrow. I love a good time loop movie. I mean, I love Palm Springs. Edge of Tomorrow um, is a great one. And I need to see Palm Springs because Carrie oh. hates, hates time loop movies. And so Edge of Tomorrow, I've been wanting. Why? Yeah, oh, What's there the to hate about them? Huh? We were watching Edge of Tomorrow. And then as soon as it like happened, she was like, peace, I'm out. And like got up and like went downstairs and hung out. Okay. <laughs> like she, she, yeah, any time loop, any time loop movie, she's just like, nope, I'm out. And so I've been waiting to watch Edge of Tomorrow again because I've seen it before. I've been waiting to watch it again. I knew she hadn't seen it. Yeah. So I was hoping that she would like it. But we watched it at the lake with the family, um, and uh, with some. And that was that was my excuse to watch it. And then she was just like, "Well, peace." Basically, I guess if more I than, were more Carrie, than like halfway through, she gave it a good shot, and then she's hmm. just like, "Up, oh, I hate it." So, I guess if I were Carrie and uh, I had to spend every day with you, Kyle, uh, the thought of having to relive <laughs> any days would be a nightmare. So is it I a problem understand. that I like act like I'm in a time loop movie all the time? Like, is that that's what I do? Maybe that's, that's what you do. Yeah, you constantly repeat the same morning for her every single day. Yeah, just the drive to, her to the second, it's exactly yeah. the same. If That'd she asks me for help for something and it's different than usual, nope, I, sorry. <laughs> That'd be a really messed up prank to try to pull on somebody. Be very convoluted, though. To... Oh, if you did the same day over and over yeah. again, you might be able to pull it off on a vacation, like on an all-inclusive or something. Like it'd yes. have to be somewhere not. Yeah, you'd have to have no phones. Absolutely, it'd be very elaborate. It really would. Definitely not worth it. Don't recommend yeah. anybody <laughs> try it at all. It. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think that's about it for uh, my week, though. Oh, and we're getting our house re-roofed. I don't know if that nice. was if we talked about that. Well, you have Quasimodo last. himself on your roof right now. Yeah, he he's jumping around up there. So if anybody hears any thumping in the episode, I'm sorry, but we again had to re-record quickly. So yes. this is it. This is the only day he's not going to be done until tomorrow. So Good. oops. My week was exciting because I graduated residency. So I am no longer a resident. I am I'm in the the uh, twilight zone of doing nothing while I w- wait for a month. Well, it's not waiting. It's basically a month. So you of are living in a time loop. Every day is nothing. Yes. Um, so no longer a resident. That's going to be the case when Carrie kicks you out if you don't <laughs> start going to work, yes. driving her crazy at home. I'm homeless. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> recording this from my phone in my car. Um, <laughs> No, I, I start my new job in August and my big boy job, and it's that's it's, what they called great. it when you apply. All right, I'll take one big boy job, yeah. is what you said. <laughs> the contract it says it doesn't say big boy job at the top. Can you change that? I ex- requested that specifically. So, yeah, so that is exciting to me. Also, I wanted to uh, get into a little bit into character for this one, and mm-hmm. um. 
over a couple days ago, I was helping lift something in the in the lake, and I I threw my back out. I like tweaked my oh. back, so my back has been in pain for a couple of days. I've been walking around like Quasimodo, so I really wanted to you know kind of become him, so I could really make this episode shine. Well, I think that's a noble effort you made, Kyle, and I'll say. Looking at you has always reminded me of Quasimodo, so I don't think you needed to go through such <laughs> extreme ways. Yeah, so if at any point, if there's just a random shriek of pain from me during this episode, it's because of the spasms I've been having, so... That just makes sense. Just look out for that. And, Aren't you... Uh, listen, what kind of doctor can't... Just prescribe yourself some pain meds. I mean, just, come on, what's the point of being a doctor if you're not Sending in some good meds. That? Yeah, <laughs> I already did that when I graduated. I was like, God, have, yeah. we're having a party tonight. Yeah, well, that's where I got the heroin from, right? <laughs> you prescribed it. Great, yes. Yeah, it uh, was great. Carrie's family really helped sell it to me They because they were making fun of my back the whole time, and then they, they tied me down with ropes and threw tomatoes at me. <laughs> and it was uh, it was great. So that was unprompted. They just did that. Yeah, and normally... <laughs> And normally Carrie doesn't let you leave, you know, uh, and be out in public. And she just reminds you you're an abomination all the time, too. Right? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She's the Frollo in my life. That's the kind of relationship we have. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good, healthy relationship. It's great. Uh, I hope, you know, I hope there is no real Frollo in anyone's life. Especially if they're an Esmeralda. Uh, yes. If you're an Esmeralda out there, I hope you don't have a Frollo. Hey, that's hey, we should should we talk about our with the first movie, Kyle? Yes, our history. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, I can. I'll pre- well, yeah, wait. what's your history? Hmm, I wonder what it is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, my history is that I really don't have history of this movie because I never really saw it as a kid. I don't think I did because I don't know if like I just assume that this movie came out and somebody's parents saw it and eventually told my parents that hey this isn't really a kids movie so like maybe not like have your kid watch it because the first my my history with this movie is basically watching it for the first time this week mm-hmm. and realizing how dark and and I don't know crazy this movie is i mean it's nuts we have to i mean i need to talk about it because it, it, yes it's like i've experienced something strange very odd. very strange uh i assume it was yanni's parents who let him watch it because they'll just let him watch anything yeah. as regular <laughs> yes, <it> listeners was. <laughs> know <laughs> they uh dimitri could speak english but kula couldn't and so i don't think that they communicated i don't think dimitri called my parents and said hey at least you didn't watch hunchback of notre dame and then proceed to let us watch dead man on campus the really <laughs> movie that i watched as a second grader yeah well i don't so. know what other neighbors could have been communicating it to because it wasn't your italian neighbors who <laughs> definitely weren't speaking to you guys after your dog ate their dead mom's shoes or whatever it was like yes exactly yeah she uh, my dog ate her um her grandmother's uh, shoes that she had gifted to her um, Italian leather shoes at her and her grandmother Ooh. had just passed recently, so it was great Ooh. timing on all fronts. So yeah, they stopped talking to us after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, we had no friends. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know how the word got out. I, uh, as you definitely don't know, I, similar. I, I watched Hunchback and Notre Dame maybe a couple times as a kid. Uh, the first one. I I don't remember. I didn't love it or connect with it in any significant way as a kid and then much like you 
watching it with basically new eyes this week uh, was pretty shocked by <laughs> yes by its how dark and weird it is tonally by its uh, extreme sexuality <laughs> that yes. it has going on like it is the themes a movie. Of, of lust and, and damnation and yeah I mean sin and infanticide you know mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's like it's a little relig- shame is like a huge part of it I feel like for Frollo too it must be because he's so religious seemingly but also is like in love with Es, like he's so horny he's so horny for Esmeralda <laughs> insane levels oh, I mean you gotta be pretty horny to be like trying to burn down a city to find someone while because you seemingly want to actually hook up with them like the way he sings is basically like if she spurns my advances I'll kill her but maybe if she won't we can hook up you know yeah um, it's yeah it, it's very much he like he He's a judge in the movie, but they in the book he's like a member of the church, which I think he's that like makes more sense. I think they're the same. I think the judgehood is related to the church still, or something. I don't okay. really understand his position, but it seems like he's like a religion and the government are like really tied together. Is the vibe I got? You know, like he is some sort of religious. Head figure yes, that the, still is. But the is priest in... does kind of outrank him in the in yeah, the church. That's true. Like he can. Yeah, that's like, what it seems like. Like yeah. the priest is like, "Hey, like you can't arrest her in here. She's like got sanctuary or whatever." So long as she declares it, as we know. True. Yes. So yes. long. But yes, Frollo <laughs> is a man who loves the woman, has passion for her, and and so she must die because she is she is evil. She is sinful. Obviously, if he's if she's tempting him in her in her ways by by dancing to a crowd and just existing yeah. i guess that, that's ba- <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't remember that's basically the plot of hunchback of notre dame is frollo is trying to exterminate ethnically cleanse the city um yes it features heavy use of a word that is now considered a slur probably i mean it, it was a slur they were using it certainly in a demeaning way to Romani people, the word, uh, we'll say it, it's gypsy. They say it in the movie, both movies a lot. Yeah. Surprisingly a lot with no warning on either movie. Um, yeah. Uh, he's trying to get rid of all the Romani people from the city while also secretly wanting to hook up with one of them. And also, I'm not really sure what his end game is with Quasimodo other than he just like has to take care of him because he literally murders Quasimodo's mom in the opening yes, scene of the murders movie. Her and then picks up Quasimodo, sees he's an ugly baby and holds him over well and you're just like, what is this a Disney movie? What's happening? Yeah. Then, <laughs> what am I watching? You <laughs> took your kid to see that movie in theaters. And then like, the priest is like, no, no, you can't do that. And your punishment is you got to raise him, which uh, looking back, I guess that's not really a great move by the priest. Like, no, that really priest is like, what the hell? You gonna, why Frollo has to raise him? Uh, what? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like take the baby away from this man who is, seemingly very willing to just murder this <laughs> the priest is basically like infant. I don't want him to I don't want him to kill that baby but I don't want to have to raise that baby <laughs> so, you have to raise it Frollo and yeah oh yeah just crazy. It's, and Frollo is like he is 
I knew this before watching the movie that he is people say he's like one of the best Disney villains out there and it's like okay I don't know I like I kind of agree with that notion but at the same time he's not a kids movie villain he's like uh-uh. a real like I really actually hate him like as a yes. like he this the whole hunchback of Notre Dame movie it feels like it just shouldn't be a Disney movie like yeah. they should have done it like in a lay Miz way you know yeah, that's what we pretty much landed on last time I think it feels like very much like it should be an Andrew Lloyd Webber or you know like at the very minimum like Phantom of the Opera style you know like actual humans a little bit more mature movie musical because it's very weird tonally to have it be so dark and sexual and then also have like fun goofy singing gargoyles you know like yeah it just it doesn't ever fully work for me. Or like I tweeted out that clip of the while the tower is while the church is being set on fire and siege so that Frollo can kill Esmeralda who has sanctuary inside. Quasimodo like knocks down a guard and it does like the goofy sound effect when that guard's falling. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is like, just I not know. the right tone. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, it, yeah. The, they didn't know. They didn't. Ex- I don't know. They they tried to mix mix it too much. They tried to make the villain like the same villain as the book, and yeah. it just it just doesn't work as a as a kids movie to me. I mean, and and even like Jason Alexander has a quote that he's you know a voice actor in the movie um, that he like didn't want his kids to watch it after like screening the movie, and I don't know if they. This this Hunchback of Notre Dame two is very obvious like um, separation from the first one tonally. You know the, the second yes. one's very much a a lighthearted movie, a typical Disney movie where the first one is just so it's so strange and it's it's I think I I think it's like a work of art in its own way. I just don't think it works as a kids movie. Like I don't mm-hmm. you know I don't really know how to place it, but I I think that they had a lot of fun putting it together and like Alan Menken and stuff that I think they had a good time creating the soundtrack for it and everything, but it's just, yeah. it's just too much, you know, it can Bring be it back a, bit a little much, bit. but it looks, it also, we'll say it looks beautiful. I want to say that it, uh, it does. looks great. It's a very well animated movie and it has some cool CG elements that, you know, are probably cutting edge for the time. Like, the CG townspeople that you can see in it and CG buildings and stuff that you're just like, Oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. Neat that they were there. <sighs> yeah. It looks good. But, and there was one more note that I had about it. Cause we, last time we talked about how we both were watching the first one thinking of Les Mis and how it like feels yes. like it should be like a Les Mis type thing. That's Which of course live. And I what I learned this week from Brooke, mm-hmm. actually one of our listeners is that Victor Hugo who yeah. wrote the hunchback of Notre Dame also wrote lame is exactly. Yes. Which so is that just like crazy to me that it's like that. It's just that similar that I was able to recognize it. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, I don't know why I didn't, I knew that while doing, even while looking up like writers for the hunchback of Notre Dame Disney movie, like it has Victor Hugo listed and yet I did not ever make that connection last week. So this pre-record was worth it, Kyle. It Just for Woo-hoo. the who. <laughs> and should we should we should we jump should we jump in 
let's to this instead of movie. Yeah. Let's let's put let's pop in that movie. Let's pop pop it like a like like Quasimodo's hunchback needs just popped back into place. I well, think. Well, it's still in the it's still it. in the VCR, right? Did you rewind? Oh it? yeah, 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 yeah. Let's rewind it. I'm just gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get it out and put it. Did you have a? Did you have a uh, like a tape rewinder? No. When, uh, yeah. You could do it on the VCR, right? Yes, you could. But then they also had just tape rewinders, uh, like we separate call those device, pencils, right? You just take stick the pencil in there and twist. <laughs> very, yeah, very Isn't that what arduous you had to do process. When it got stuck and whatnot. <laughs> I think that's what you did with cassette tapes. I don't think that works for. Oh VHS yeah, the tape. holes are too big. We have yeah. very large pencils in my house. I have. <laughs> I, you were I using those Quasimodo giant hands. novelty. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have Quasimodo hands, and I need giant pencils like that. To, to I was picturing the uh, the nineties, like you'd win at a fair, like you'd get that giant pencil that you could win at a fair. Do you know what I'm yes. talking about? That uh-huh. was super thick, and you'd bring it to class one day as a joke, you know, and try to write with it, and everyone would have a hearty laugh. Yeah. Um, That's where I got no, all yeah. my toys and all of our. Uh, Pens and papers and, and, and pencils were, were from fairs. We went to fairs all the time just to, to get stuff like that. That's great. And they, I'm glad that those stuck with you, Kyle. They were, it was a fair to remember. <laughs> for all those people. An affair to remember. Reference. Okay, there it is. But no, did you never have the dedicated VHS tape rewinder? Not that I remember. Oh, I think it must have been a relic of maybe there was a time when the VCR couldn't rewind or uh, honestly, I can't think of why it exists other than VCRs couldn't rewind or they thought people were like so desperate to keep consuming media <laughs> that they would want to immediately take a tape out after playing it, put a new one in, but they still have to rewind that original one, so they need a second dedicated device just maybe, for rewinding. Maybe it came out with the uh, with the Titanic box set movie because the Titanic needed two v- VHSs. That's true. You got to pop that second one in. You don't want to waste time rewinding the first one. Yeah, heck no. Yeah. All right. All right. This, you know what? That checks out. I definitely remember having one, though, at my uh, – my dad's girlfriend's house she had one of those that's a distinct memory to me is rewinding like men in black in one of those <laughs> great movie uh, okay well this one's rewound Kyle so should I pop Finally. it back in now it does take a yeah. while it does take some time Yeah. it's in okay Kyle when this movie starts the one immediate thought that every person will ever have while watching it is boy does this look like crap compared to the first movie (laughs) it sure does it is just bafflingly bad uh (laughs) it's very much a return to it's a step back not just compared to the first movie but compared to the more recent uh episodes we've done you know like it looks worse than cinderella 2 or lady and the tramp 2 like no problem we're back at like King of Thieves at best, you know, level of animation here. Yeah, it's um, it, it's not good. The characters morph and change for some reason. I would hyper focus on Quasimodo's arms and his arm hairs like don't stay in the same place and they move around and it really bothered me for some reason. Like his, <laughs> they just don't look solid. They, it's it's not good. The the characters, it just it looks like they hired an intern to like quickly or like. 
hey, just quick draw up these characters and forget like the main details and just like give me a give me like an outline or something and then they just went with it for the rest of the movie. It's, it's, Which is confusing because uh, as we discussed uh, <laughs> what we landed on before is there were a lot of delays with this movie it seems yes. like because when you get to the end of the credits it says copyright 2000 but the movie didn't come out until 2002 and you can look at the IMDB facts and it says Haley Joel Osment recorded his audio in 1997 so it was like a five-year delay between the recording starting, which means there had to have been something written, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to be able to get working on character designs and animating, I would think. I don't know anything about the movie-making process for animation. Um, so probably wrong about that. But still, five years seems like more than what most of these movies get in production, I would right. think. And part uh, of that was... Be- uh, part of that was because because of Jennifer Love Hewitt wanting to was it did she want to like boost a singing career is that what she was trying to do at that point we know that she wanted a song and she didn't get a song so then they wrote a song that's only in the credits and they couldn't release the movie until she recorded that song and they added it to the credits I don't know you would think in the time between one of us might have looked up oh did Jennifer Love Hewitt ever release an album yeah um, but of course <laughs> neither of us did we're trying uh, to keep it authentic because because yeah. we did we did a fair a decent amount of research trying to f- figure this out the first time so now we have to we have to research something Yes, so you know you do you do some digging, Kyle, uh, on on JLH, who is in this movie. Uh, good cast in this movie. That's something we can we, we just blast through some of this great cast in here. Yeah, like we said, we got everybody returning from the first movie. I do wonder. I don't know Demi Moore's heritage. Is it is she like? Is it weird that she's Esmeralda? Do you think that's weird? Is that something I have that we no should... idea what Demi Moore's heritage is. I couldn't I... find anything about... I tried looking like her background. It didn't really list anything. So I guess it's not weird if, since I don't know her heritage. Would it be weird if she were just... If she were white? That's really the question I'm asking. Maybe she's not. Somebody will tell us if she isn't, but... Probably. If she were, I mean, this is in a weird? time where things are still getting whitewashed. Yeah, a, I mean, things that's pretty much normal. It is the case for these movies that that's pretty normal. Uh, but still, I thought I'd bring it up. Why not throw it out there? Uh, Kevin Klein as Phoebus is back. He is probably the most perfectly cast person from the first movie, I think, because Kevin Klein just is the ultimate uh, charming kind of roguish flight of fancy voice. I don't know. Like, he's just something about him that I really love in the role of Phoebus. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. he does a good job. I, it's He's he's the guy that was in Wild Wild, Wild West, right? Yes. He's Wild the guy, Wild West. He's, is he, he's the, like, agent in that, that that can, like, does a lot of the different um, costumes. Is that him? He does. He he's the sciency. He's like the nerdy of the two. I don't. Are they both agents, or is he only an agent? I actually never. I don't remember the plot of Wild Wild West. I that think they're. Well. I think they're both agents, right? Just both agents with and very he, different and he's styles. He's into the gadgets, and Will Smith is like into just shooting him up and just seeing. Will what Smith happens. is into being Will Smith. Yeah. And just being <laughs> the exact character that he plays whenever he's like an action movie cop guy. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um <laughs> Yep. 
But, Very uh, similar to Men in Black. I mean, yeah, Will Smith really had a run there where he was really a... Uh, he had that movie star persona down, you know? Like, you knew what a yeah. Will Smith movie was for a while there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Still do to a degree. I mean, you still pretty much know what to expect with him. I guess. I don't haven't seen him in any... I, 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 the last I thing I saw him on was Aladdin movie. remake. Yeah, yeah, I did see that as well. I guess that's probably it for me. He was in Gemini Man. What's yeah, I never a... saw that one. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. Uh, <laughs> was that Ang the one where Lee he was like it. too, like he had to fight his younger self? Yes, he has to. He he's got like a younger clone, but I know that it is one that Ang Lee filmed specifically in like a high frame rate. He's Ang Lee is the same person who directed uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He did the like 2006 Hulk movie he did Brokeback Mountain um, but he's he's gotten really into lately the idea of high frame rate movies so I think Gemini Man was shot in like either 120 or 60 FPS um, I think 120 honestly was an option that you could go see it in and uh, I just don't understand who that would appeal to for a movie well it makes the movies look super different right i remember like hobbit released at i don't know if it was 48 it was 48 48 when it came out that's not even that much it's double movies are shot at like 24 on film so it's a double frame rate and people are like this is weird doesn't look like a movie anymore yes a lot of people People are have been trained their entire lives to think like this is the motion of a movie this is the blur this is what it looks like when watching a movie the blur looks like this so it's weird when suddenly there's like no blur and everything is so crisp uh yeah i don't think i would like it it's the same as it's a better version of but the same reason i don't like when you're at like somebody's house and they have motion smoothing turned on on their tv oh yeah yeah it's weird <laughs> yeah i don't know why tvs all come with that on by default now it's yeah. probably you tv you get the motion the it's people don't like it no i don't that's why i don't get it i mean i think it's good for sports maybe and then everything else it looks terrible on so I don't know why you would want it or why they think that we want it so much that it needs to be the default option on I think everything. they just want to sell TVs, so they just blast all the, like, cool features on there, and you're like, oh, that's got to be great, you know? Oh, yeah. Frame rate's 2,000 because it, it can calculate it like that or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's why I end up spending, like, an hour when I got my new TV just digging through the settings, turning off every single thing that's designed to change the way a movie looks to allegedly make it look better, you know? Get your fancy motion crap out of here. Get your special contrast highlighting, your color correction, whatever garbage. I don't want the TV to do it. I want the person who made the movie to decide what it should look like. Well, back to Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's got oh, four studio albums. Four first studio albums? This was four a successful studio divergence. Albums. The first one was released in 1992, Love Songs, which was released only in Japan on March 21st, 1992. Her second album in 1995 is titled Let's Go Bang. What? Yep. <laughs> Let's Go Bang. It's right. got... Kiss Away from Heaven, Let's Go Bang as one of its uh, is that, songs. I really have to song. listen to that song to know <laughs> if it's like... 
let's go bang like you know like it's saying let's go and then an onomatopoeia of the sound bang you know like it's just a big we're partying yeah let's go bang it's just gotta like be trying to capitalize on like her hotness right like that's it's just, I guess, how old was she be. in 95 when that came out? Know. What's her age? What's her age? How old are you? She was born in 1970, so she would have been like 25 when that 79. came out. So I guess that's... Wait, what? She was born in 1979. 1979? Oh, her older brother was born in 1970. I got confused. My bad. Mobby, I was quickly glancing at the wrong bit. I saw a date. So what uh, she's this is unprofessional. Like Kyle, we got to start over. Heck? We got to do Hunchback 3. All right, I screwed up this one with that date snafu, so now it's no good. good. Should we just burn yeah. this? Just yeah. burn it. All right, hit us with a new cold open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting over. Um, I'm hiring a band for this one. <laughs> this time, you're going to... I thought you would actually go to Notre Dame and like ring the bells yourself. To yeah, well, that, that this time. no, that's yeah. that's for the fourth time that Notre, we Notre Dame burned down, right? Yeah, did they fix it? I I assume so. I mean, it's so like much like big the, icon for the Catholic, for the yeah. Catholic Church. So. Much like the famed cathedral itself, our original recording burned down, Kyle. And this is, is the restoration job. It's all about keeping it meta and on theme for us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she was born in '79. You just said. So she was yeah. sixteen. It's not not great. She not looks great. really young in this album art. Like it looks. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, this makes me feel really weird. <laughs> Let's go bang. Yes, so Let's Go Bang was released then, and then we've got, um, uh, she's got two more albums. She's got Jennifer Love Hewitt is the name of her third album in 1996, and then... Okay, see, that seems like it should be your first album. Yeah, it's Jennifer Love Hewitt, not Love Songs. <laughs> and then Bare Naked is her 2002 album. Mm. So Okay, so yes. there was a 2002 album, so... This could have been the whole song debacle could have been cross promo with that album. Makes sense. I'm just surprised that it's her fourth album because I would have thought it was like, oh, she wants to get into singing, so you know yeah, she's making an album right now. We would love it if we could cross promote her first album with a single from the movie yeah. or something <laughs> like that. You know, uh, way to go, way to go, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Although I guess not way to go because we didn't know you had a musical uh, career. And Wait, you know what she? She is a, a main role in the TV show Party of Five. Yes, Kyle. Well, we she talked is. about this before, right? We did, but now okay. we get to talk about it again. Good. Party of Five. <laughs> we're bringing it back to our uh, Scott Wolf from Lady and the Tramp Two. Yes, Party of Five, which, as we discussed, I nailed guessing the plot of that uh, of that TV show. But yeah, we big 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 time '90s star Jennifer Love Hewitt, right? Yep, 90s star, and yeah. 90s star, 90s babe icon, I guess, to like, I guess to younger people. Yeah, she's babe. Yeah, she's babe. She's babe. 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 Um, Total babe. (laughs) Definite babe to our guest host, uh, who's not here anymore. A shame you can't hear. He, big fan of Jennifer Love Hewitt and Madeline. Uh, Yes. Yes. It was more so Madeline, wasn't it? More so Madeline was really the vibe. Yeah, definitely. Bless the big fan of Madeline. Kyle, uh, can we pause for one minute? An abrupt pause. 
And we're back, Kyle. Uh, to go right along with this cursed episode, the cursed <laughs> hunchback of Notre Dame episode. Uh, my wife and daughter showed back up, and young Dorothy was just in a foul mood before bedtime, and uh, we would have heard a lot of screaming had I kept the recording rolling. It's understandable. I usually scream before bedtime, too. So. <laughs> Scream and cry. Yeah. I wake up crying. A lot of screaming and crying. You might want to see a doctor about that, Kyle. Yeah, that's normal. Is it? So You're I'm the, the weird. weird one. I'm the weird one. That's fair. Well, I don't. I don't fall asleep long enough to uh, wake up crying. I get like two minutes of sleep a night. I feel like it's fine. It's terrible. You should. You should see a doctor. You think? Nah. All right, Kyle. We're gonna enough Jennifer Love Hewitt sidetracking. Enough. Talking about how great the cast is. We'll get to the rest of them when they come up. All right? We're really going to do this movie now. This, Let's do it. It opens, Kyle. And we get the classic blue logo with some bells ringing underneath it. Like, not the just the music, but some bells. The, you're like, oh, boy, how wonderful. We're hearing bells. This is He rings bells. I it feel sticks nice. with the theme. Sticks with the theme. Sticks with it. We see some birds flying over the city, um, and the city feels much brighter than the last movie. Everything feels brighter, along with looking worse in terms of its animation. It just feels like they couldn't capture. They, I mean, they probably specifically avoided that grim, dark tone of the first movie. Um, yes, but everything feels brighter and flatter and just smaller in general. Um, it's not as majestic. I wish it was as majestic. Yes. That first movie opens and it's above the clouds and you're flying in and 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 Notre Notre Dame is is above the clouds and it's so majestic and then you go under the clouds. There's huge city and this one just kind of is like. Maybe this is just Notre Dame. Maybe we're just in South Bend, yeah. Indiana, the, the, and that's where we're going over their city. The cathedral in the first movie feels like it's a skyscraper, you know, to me. Like I don't yes. know, it feels so gigantic, like it's a freaking like six castles stitched together. And then in this one, it feels like a kind of big farmhouse. A medium-sized <laughs> farmhouse in comparison. Um, those birds, they land in the church next to a gem-encrusted golden bell. The aforementioned bell that I think we're supposed to learn the secret of. So this Did movie, we ever learn the secret no, of this bell? <laughs> this movie only has a subtitle sometimes, as far as I can tell. Uh, like, when you when you look at the cover art... I don't think on Disney Plus it says the secret of the bell anywhere, but on IMDb when you look it up, you have to look up Hunchback 2, colon, the secret of the bell is what it's called. I don't <laughs> know why that subtitle isn't always used. I feel like that's a definite, like, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles secret of the ooze. Like, they were just trying to get in on the... Ninja Turtle? I don't know. Oh, really? I, that's the name of the <laughs> second Ninja of, like, Turtles movie. I, let's look. I'm actually curious when that one came out. Uh, that's hilarious. Maybe the secret of of the bell is just that the insides are all all gem encrusted, which yeah, makes I guess absolutely no sense for a bell. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. We but we see that right away. We see that the bell right. Don't we zoom in underneath it? 
Yeah, it zooms yeah. underneath and you see it and it's like part of the like a title. Yes, it shows the Hunchback 2. I don't think it says the secret of the bell. It just says Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Um just yeah, the bell the bell's called La Fidel and it is a very obvious metaphor that it's beautiful on the inside, but it is the worst what what is what the hell is the be- hell's bells is what I was saying. <laughs> When I it's saw a bell it, from hell. What? It's just the least practical bell ever. Like, there's no way that it works. Like in general, you never see a bell with like gems on it. No, right? I've like, never seen a anything... heavily jewel encrusted bell, especially locked away in a church that nobody can go up to even fucking <laughs> yes. look at it. Because uh. like when the bell rings, it like vibrates. Yes. And it's just like things are not going to be able to like stick on that unless yeah. you, I guess. I don't know a lot about science of sound or resonance, but I do think adding more stuff that's just randomly, like, soldered on or whatever, welded onto a bell is going to make it be a little less resonant, (laughs) right? Yeah, it... Yeah, and that and that giant dangly thing in the bell, which I don't know what those are called, but that thing's going to smash into all the the emeralds uh... and stuff. Like, it just doesn't make any sense that's called the descended testicle is what that part of the bell oh, is called the yeah te- the, te- you know, <laughs> the testicle your bells drop once you become a teenager good good <laughs> um well okay bell aside uh song one begins kyle actually bells speaking of bells do you know you can see bell in the first hunchback in notre dame movie Oh, she's like a um, she's one of the t- she's village- like a townsperson. Yeah, at one she's point, walking right? by when we when me and Celia were watching. She was like, "Oh, there she is!" It was her first time like seeing it, not just as like an internet factoid, but actually watching the movie and noticing her. That's cool. Yeah, I did not cool. see it when I watched it, and I looked for it, so I'm just bad at seeing looking. So, well, lucky for you, my wife uh, is going to be opening up a new eye store uh, location. So, if you need glasses to help you spot Belle perfect put a little money in our pocket maybe we can help you out i need the really Uh, obvious ones like in tarzan when there's like five seconds of frame on chip and mrs potts like that's the kind that's the i that's the kind that i need to be able to pick things out probably that's what i want to hear from my doctor i need (laughs) (laughs) i need really obvious like just, uh, can we, you make it a little more obvious? Yeah, uh, we missed the cancer. It wasn't obvious enough on the, uh, on the <laughs> scan. I don't know. Um, well, Kyle, song one begins. Uh, the bard from the first movie is singing the song. It's De Jour de Moore. It's like the the day of love or whatever. You know, they they have their big festival of love coming up. Uh, the I like this song. I said before. Uh, I think I, I like the uh, I like the Bard guy. I think he's fun, and I think the song has a good little bit of pep to it. As just like it's kicking us off right away that this movie is going to be a little bit cheerier than the last movie was. You know, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it accomplishes the goal of wanting a, a musical number to start it off that kind of sets the the environment. You know, this is a new time of year is it's it's more like springtime right i think Mm -hmm. and this is and they're setting up this festival and it it gives me a lot of vibes from of the 
<laughs> a lot of vibes of from the uh, movie King of Thieves. Yes. From the beginning of that one where the genie is kind of introducing the town and they're in that movie. He's, he's getting it ready for the big wedding. Um, and this one, uh, I I thought it was fine. I, I didn't think that the... My, my major criticism of it is I, I feel like they didn't really introduce the characters super well. They were just like, oh, there's a Hunchback kind of walking around, um, you know, Quasimodo. He probably doesn't like being called the hunchback right you would (laughs) you would think he probably wouldn't but it's not like i mean listen he knows that that's what they're looking at you know there's no he understands is it one of those things where you don't it's almost worse if you ignore it you know like maybe they're more insulted (laughs) that you that you think they can't handle you looking at it or whatever or acknowledging right. it but I he probably know. wants to be acknowledged as like his name probably. yeah I, I think he'd so. be fine with a new person being like holy shit you have a hunchback but he probably would like his friends to just call him quasimodo although i wouldn't even want that because his name literally means malformed right like yeah it's his, not a great name his name is like almost human is what is yeah it's like great because you know, they, they call him quasi right they do call quasi. him quasi which is the quasi part which is the almost quasi. part which is i feel call like q yeah hey, q that's great you know go with q or let him come up Henry, with his own name know? why does he name himself <laughs> yeah like rebrand quasi yeah i don't like but, that they, yes <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I, I felt like they didn't really introduce the characters as well as they could have. They really could have jazzed it up or like really, you know, they come bursting through with them singing their part of the song and, and you get to see what they've been up to a little bit. And it just kind of fell flat a little it bit. It would be me. cool. I do like the man. I like the jester guy. Yeah. I like. I like the guy. It definitely would have been cool to, like, reintroduce each character in, like, their element in some way. You know, like, we could have established... Mm-hmm. Esmeralda and Phoebus living together with a kid, you know, as part of the song. Yeah, like, like they're getting ready up. for yeah, the exactly. they're getting ready for the festival as a family, mm-hmm. and like figuring out like a little act that Zephyr could do with them. Yeah, and then you know something like that, rather than like they're just kind of there already. We'll save that in our notes for when Disney eventually releases their Hunchback of Notre Dame remake and then decides yes. that that made a billion dollars, so let's remake, let's make a sequel to it. We'll save that for uh, that pitch meeting that they'll invite us to, yes. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, who knows what their pitch meetings look like. They announced that there's a live-action remake. They announced it in 2019. And Josh Gad is producing, maybe starring as Quasimodo. I don't like the idea of Josh Gad as Quasimodo at all. I think Josh Gad has, like... Hugo, he has gargoyle vibes. That's what vibes. I was going to say. He has Hugo the gargoyle vibes at best. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not, like, the sweet... No. Like... You want like someone like good of heart and like yeah. I don't know who would you cast it, it, as Quasimodo in a live action movie? This is a very know. difficult it's a, question. Like, the whole live action movie is it's it's just got to be not a kids movie. It's got to be rated PG thirteen or something mm-hmm. if they want to do it right, or, or they have to change some stuff. Otherwise, it's just too dark. They can't. I I don't know if they can change some stuff. I don't. I can't imagine. Anybody would be happy to go see it and they like made it less dark, you know? I don't think the hardcore Hunchback of Notre Dame fans are going to be happy if they go to the movie and Frollo isn't a weird sexual pervert or whatever the <laughs> fuck, you know? Like, I think people want that. Lean into that because there's no kids born. 10 years ago that are like oh boy Hunchback's my favorite movie you know nobody born in 2011 cares so your only hope of an audience caring is 
the kids who were in right in that perfect window when 96 rolled around, you know, that they saw it as kids and it imprinted on them and turned them into little freaks. You freaks listening. Bunch yeah. of freaks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think go darker, go darker on the remake, go dark and make it more like lean into the adult part. I agree. It, it just, it can be good. Like it can be yeah. good. Just, it's not a kid's thing. Agreed. Let's not put Olaf in it. You know? No, we don't want Olaf. But speaking of kid things, we see Esmeralda and Phoebus and they're married. And this is six years later. Uh, and they have a son named Zephyr who is, uh, up in the tower, Quasimodo's up there talking uh, to his gargoyles about love and the festival, and they're going to go polish La Fidel for the festival, and he bumps into Esmeralda and Phoebus' son, uh, Zephyr, who is uh, voiced by the great Haley Joel Osment, our number one stan of Woo. all time. Uh, you, did you say we? Th- yeah. It's, it's yeah, pretty it's much our. you. No, no, it's right? both I of mean, us. I think it's both. Uh, both love Haley right. Joel Osment, 100%. <laughs> if you're a part of this podcast, yeah. then you have to stand Haley Joel Osment. This is the HJO show. That's what I say anytime he comes on screen. Yeah! Phoebus and Esmeralda. <laughs> uh, well, sorry. Quasimodo and Zephyr play, they're buds. Esmeralda shows up and she is like, take it easy, son. I don't know what, what she's what's she worried about. Come on. Her what kind of trouble could her son possibly get into in this movie? In their, you know, in their quiet little peaceful French city. What city is what city are they in? I should probably Paris. know. Is I'm it Paris? Sure it's Paris. I think that Notre Dame, no, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. You're so fucking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hoosier. Notre Dame's in Par- Paris. <laughs> he can't fight his Hoosier blood. He wants to call it Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I have location. to think about it every University time I say Notre it. Dame. Yeah. Okay. No, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I don't even know how to search cathedral. Right. I guess. I guess it, it just keeps wanting. It knows I'm in Indiana. You know what? De Paris, De Paris, De Paris. There it is. Uh, if you, uh, for me, Quasimodo later in the movie when Madeline spurns him, uh, spoilers. He said, and she says, "Forgive me." He says, "No, ter dame," because she's a dame. <laughs> no, ter that dame. <laughs> exactly. I said no to that dame. <laughs> That's, that's like a punchline. We could make that into a little punchline. I think joke, we could. You know I mean? probably, I mean, yeah, given any more time or any more comedic skill, it probably could have been something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I made it as shittily as possible. Uh, it worked. It was good. Good. Thank you. I think this is what this podcast is, is just us affirming for the other one that, that their jokes are funny while not really laughing at them. Uh, she and Phoebus. <laughs> All right, so Esmeralda and Phoebus, are, they admire the bell, and they talk about the ceremony. They explain the ceremony that you yell the other person's name when the bell is ringing. Um, and Zephyr mm-hmm. asks Quasimodo, like, whose name are you going to yell? Who's going to yell your name? Which is rude because he can see what Quasimodo looks like. I'm just saying. Uh, and I just don't think that there were a lot of people probably in – this time period in Paris who were like gonna look past Quasimodo's looks to love him when they literally crowned him king for being the ugliest freakiest person in the first movie you know yes like, tried I, to take his head off because they thought it was a mask <laughs> yeah 
you know, like, great mask, dude. And then they yes. try to take his face off, and it stays. So not not great. Zephyr, just don't ha- just li- leave people's love lives their own. All right, Zephyr, you nosy little shit. Uh, Quasimodo <laughs> says he doesn't think anyone will ever yell his name, and Esmeralda comforts him, and she's she's like, "I'm come on, buddy. Someday, maybe there'll probably be somebody." All I need to find is someone with the same trauma as he has and yes. put them together. Mm. And that'll, maybe. maybe. Maybe that's what we need to do. Oh my gosh. You know, it's Can some I say, re- you go, go on, go you go. You go, you go, 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 go. No, I was gonna de- I was gonna derail us a little bit. I love it. I love to be derailed. I was only no. gonna <laughs> say that it's some real uh friend zone shit to have the girl that you wanted to get with come up to you and be like, No, you're so sweet. Somebody will wanna be with you. You know, like Quasimodo is living yeah. in that friend zone hard. He's the babysitter of the girl that he <laughs> yeah. fell for. Like, ugh, he's still hanging around. Like, he is genuine of heart and he is past yeah. it. You know, we yeah. know that. But it's just, wow. I mean, he's he's loving the friend zone, though. He, he loves being. I'm sure they're, they're great compared friends. to his only other friends being what seemed to be imaginary gargoyles in the first movie, it's a pretty big step up. <laughs> so, whatever. Yeah. Does it, does the friend zone exist if like if we're friends? Mm-hmm. If you're just a friends with somebody, are you in the friend zone, or is the friend zone only there if you're trying to leave the friend zone? Like, you know what I mean? Hmm. I like, like to if, think if, if you're the, friends with somebody, does like are are you in the friend zone? I think the friend zone does require that you had aspirations for more than friendship. That one party at least had some sort of unrequited aspiration for it to really be the friend zone, you know? I like to think of the friend zone as the phantom zone uh, from Superman, personally. And you get sentenced to it, and then you're stuck there for eternity with all the other phantom monster criminals. So it's separate than just being friends with somebody. Yeah, I think it's It's, different than just being friends. It's a jail that it you is. get put in. It's feelings it's, jail. You know what? We need to really define this mm-hmm. relationship, DTR it, and put you in the friend zone. Yes. I, I do think it does, because I wouldn't say, you know, I friend zoned you unless you're secretly lusting after me, which is entirely <laughs> possible. I think we've hinted at that in the past on this podcast, actually. Um, I don't think we should talk about this now. I think we need to have a, a DTR. Okay, do I'm you, sorry about that. Do you know what that means? The DTR Define you, the relationship is my guess. Did people around you, I just can't imagine this is a thing at your at your college where people had DTRs. Like that was no. never a thing that people said, right? I think I've maybe heard the term in a movie, like somebody telling their friend, like, you have to DTR. You know, you have you to. You probably define. heard it from me. Maybe. Probably. Are you telling because me that it, this was a thing that people would like go to another person and be like, "Hey, you and me need to DTR right now." This happened. The this, this is a college, thing? my friend. Oh my lord! Yes, it did. <laughs> we'd be. We'd, you'd have to have DTRs with girls, like not me, because I was in a relationship. We got a DTR. Are you DTF? So, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> no, you would like literally like. That people would have D- it was like a huge thing like DTRs were like have you had a DTR yet no we need to have a DTR what the hell like, like it wasn't maybe as solid as the way I'm saying it but literally I think people would have sit downs and yeah we need to have a DTR and like yeah we what do what a formal and engagement 
for a yeah, relationship. Yeah, we courted. We courted a lot in in Christian college. <laughs> no, we, nobody called it that. But um, yeah, it was a is an actual thing. It's weird, but like I guess kind of necessary. Like I mean, it, it seemed like a very necessary thing for us. You say it Christian is. College. It does sound weird and a little formalist for my taste, but. At the very least, if you have one of these business meetings uh, that people are having, <laughs> you know where everybody's at, where all your cards are on the table, so there's no, like, should be theoretically less issues with consent or kissing someone who doesn't want to be kissed, things like that, you know, if you're mm-hmm. taking the time to define it all and lay it all out. So if anything, it's probably progressive in a way, in a, in a regressive yeah, way. I guess progressive, but it's in the in the face of the environment was like that. You know, girls and guys like there you couldn't go into other each other's dorms unless there were certain hours. You know, so there wasn't a whole lot of like alone time that you had available to you at college, unless you were until you got like a be a junior and senior, mm-hmm. and then and then the DTRs got less. This is more of a freshman sophomore what thing. Weird, um, <laughs> because of like the living areas where you're at had more strict rules. So like you'd have these DTRs, but you wouldn't have them like in your in your in your dorm room. You'd have them at McCon at the coffee shop <laughs> where there's like a million other college students around. Like that's where these things happen. You just hang out, watch some people DTR between classes. Oh man, I had the best experience ever and it was I was eating lunch and there was a couple in front of me and they were breaking up and oh, it was just no. like it was it was one of those things like I didn't know either one of them and I could just listen into this conversation and it was just so devastating for them, but very entertaining to be like, like a situation like you've never, one of those things that I was just like, this is never going to happen again. I'm never going to be able to sit in on someone's breakup without that, without knowing either party and like witness you you as a complete stranger were part of this incredibly intimate and personal moment to them. That's yeah, that's what it's and all I, about. And it, it didn't feel I, I wasn't like so close where I could hear yeah. what they were, were saying most of the time. Could you guys repeat that? that? Creepy. <laughs> you scooted up next to them, right? And you like yeah, I scooted. I was, <laughs> I was at the same table. It was like a long table. They were at one end, and I was like close to them. You kept so moving I couldn't one really seat hear closer everything, but you could time. see like you could see what was happening more than what you could say. Oh. So it was probably weird that I sat there, but I mean they sat Whatever, there to have the conversation. Too. Yeah, they didn't. And I was. You know, I did not. I was at a complete. You know, in in the main area. You're so. a hero, Kyle, because somebody decided to break up in a public place specifically so that there would be other ears around and the other person couldn't make a scene. I'm assuming. So by listening, you were really helping out whichever person decided to break up in the public place. So you should applaud yourself. Honestly, you're not a yeah. creep. Yeah, I don't know who decided to meet there, but it was the girl breaking up with the guy. I would guess it was probably the girl, I'm going to be honest. I think that that's a real... Breaking up in a public place feels like something that, unfortunately, a woman would have to be more concerned about, you know? like Yeah, correct. I'd be more afraid that... I don't know this guy, not to besmirch his name, but... If I were a woman, there's always got to be some element of physical fear in with the presence of like an angry spurned lover or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because it could be that way. Like if you're actually like afraid of their reaction, but as 
also like if you're maybe like maybe you just you really like the person yeah and you you want to to be with them or whatever and you've maybe been intimate before and like if you're in an intimate position you're way you're less likely to go through with the breakup that you know needs to happen so it's easier to do it in a in a location where there's that 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 part of it's taken out of the equation where you're not going to be like snuggling up next to them or they're not going to like lean over and like hold your hands you know what i mean to like try and convince you otherwise if so maybe that that could be part of it too, kyle just yeah, described kyle just described christian college third base snuggling up and holding hands oh yeah <laughs> well four uh four feet on the ground at all times in your dorm room you know you can legs had to be on the floor so. That's great. That's great. Very different than uh, the IU college experience, <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> at least we could dance at my college because the year before I got there is when they got rid of the no dancing policy. Which, thank so. God, because I know you. You wouldn't have made it through without dancing. I know you love to dance oh, your no. feelings away, like during a hard test. Sometimes yeah. you just got to dance. Uh, Break into song and dance, you know, it's the musical musical numbers don't really spur of the moment musical num- numbers don't go as well if you can't dance during them, you know Mm-mm. you just have to stand there mm. it's not sing. nearly as satisfying unless it's a ballad it's okay if it's a ballad uh but that gets yeah, old I get, yeah because there's there, you know you'd have to there's yeah you don't have to dance in a ballad it's more of the, the crying and, mm-hmm. and whatnot Makes sense. Makes sense. Back to this film. Uh, you from could that do. Tangent. You could do a cool little ballad with at like a coffee shop where someone holding like a cup of coffee and it kind of acts as a microphone a little bit. They could do a little fun little imagery that way. I don't know. We'll have to write something. You think we should write something? What yeah. is it? Are, are you DTRs. picturing DTR the musical? You're picturing, I assume, like the uh, like a Starbucks to go style cup. Yes. Hot coffee cup. Because my first thought was in a coffee shop, you're carrying like, I was picturing like a big (laughs) mug, like a latte from friends. And I was like, that's not like a microphone at all. Uh, Yeah, no, I was, I was picturing the, the closed, the hot coffee cup. I see it. All right. I get, I get down that. I would love to write a musical. I'm always thinking how much fun that would be. Although I was talking with our music guy, Chris rants about the man who did our theme song. And he was like, He's like, I hate. I think I hate musicals. Is basically what he told me. <laughs> Chris hates musicals. I know. I was like, you of all no. people, you are like a musical prodigy, and you don't like musicals. And he's just like, yeah, it's like too much. Singing. <laughs> all right, <laughs> whatever, dude. The man who wrote our music. I know he did our did YouTube together. channel's musical episode. He did the music for it. Helped us out with that, and yet doesn't like musicals. But we'll get him. I told him I'm oh, going to yeah. write another no musical to option. make him like he's, it. Yeah. He's the guy. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Kyle, we got to get back on track. <laughs> Lord knows I want another five hours of this, but you know, yeah. we got to save it for a Hunchback's third recording, which technically oh, yeah. this is since Oof. we did stop and restart. So I guess save it for the fourth recording. Um, yes. A small traveling circus shows up in town, Kyle, and they're led by a vain magician, our new villain named Sarouche, voiced by Michael McKean, who is uh, most, I don't know what he's most famous for. To me, I think of Clue, where he's Mr. Green, um, but I also think of Smallville, where he plays Perry White, 
And he's in a million. He's in yes. a billion things. We established, right? He, I I know I know him from Good Omens. He is Shadwell in that. Ah, and, yes, um, of course. Good Omens. I'm sure you like it, apparently, but it just looks yeah. like a giant turd to me. <laughs> I just, have you watched it? No, I haven't. I just when I, I see I the ads, the, I'm just like, this looks like a turd. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, uh, so. It's um, yeah. Just quickly, it's. I think it's a show. I think it was heavily carried by the acting. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the plot didn't really transition transfer well from book to to uh, to show. Um, it just the the plot was just there and it was okay. It's a different kind of show, um, but I thought the acting was phenomenal in it, and I felt like that really carried it. Who's and the so, stars if you ever get around show. to watching it, I do think it's worth it. I really did like Good Omens, and I don't know if they're doing a second one because it was there's only like one book. I think but I heard that, that they, maybe they were doing yeah, a second season. I believe I heard the same thing, although I may have heard it from you. So, <laughs> yeah, I really like David Tennant and his opposing. Uh, who's the other guy? That's what I was gonna try to. He's look really, up. He's, he's really well known. I know. Um, I'm trying to find him real quick. Michael Sheen, right? That's the guy. Yes, Michael yeah. Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen. He's yeah. uh. Okay, I had to verify it was him. I couldn't think of his last name. My brain was like Michael Shannon, but it's not Michael Shannon. But it sounds yeah. like Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Sheen. He's in the Twilight movies and uh, the show Masters of Sex. But he's not important because he's not in this movie, damn it. No, he's no. not. But uh, that show is... I, I, like the, I like the back and forth between those two characters, which is really... That's kind of the meat of the show is, mm-hmm. is Michael Sheen's the angel, David Tennant's the, the demon, and they they sort of like Earth and don't really want the apocalypse. Oh! So, do they ever um, DTR? Do they? Yeah. Not officially. Oh, they haven't officially DTR'd. Wow. Well. Maybe I, that's in season two. That must be. If it's a... <laughs> They're holding off on the musical. That's our musical. <laughs> Michael Sheen and David Tennant. We'll get them. We'll get them. Perfect. Um, we should just make Christian College the musical. That's what we need. I feel oh, like there's yeah. <laughs> probably plenty that we could oh, come man. up with there. I could get some really good writers around for this because there's some there, I mean I worked with some really funny people in college oh that's so like, weird because the main reason we're having to re-record this is because I couldn't cut out all the shit talking you were doing about the people that you worked with <laughs> and that you went to college with there was like that hour and a half long tirade that I couldn't figure out how to make it work so I said we would just re-record don't you remember yes yeah. exactly oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no there's there's a few guys that would totally write that with me and we'd, it'd be great that's great it's, you just box me out what? of the project bringing in all these other guys all of a sudden oh, heck, huh? we need you okay you, you, know, you didn't go to christian college so you need to you need to rein us in on how to make there how to put put it together you know yeah we probably have a bunch of ideas but we need the guy to be like okay this is what's actually funny i do need to test i'm, I'm the test audience on what's relatable to a person who didn't go there you know exactly yeah. yes all right this works um we're talking about this movie again. Michael yeah. McKean. He's Sarouche. He's a good actor. Yes. He's performing well. He tries to perform a trick uh, up on stage. making. He's trying to make his assistant appear, but it isn't working because the assistant isn't there. He plays it off pretty cool, coyly. He's like, all the kids are like, oh, we wanted to see her. And he's like, I guess you'll have to come to the show to see her. And then he... He disappears and he's like, Where is Madeline? And then we cut to his assistant, Madeline, Jennifer Love Hewitt herself, multi 
multi uh, CD art. I, I, I was going <laughs> to multi album artist. Yeah, there it is. I couldn't think because my brain, when I say multi, wanted to say platinum, but obviously that is not I don't true. Think they got to platinum. Yeah, I'm going to guess none of her albums went platinum, unfortunately. Um, she's in a tent practicing her tightrope walking because she dreams of being a tightrope walker for some reason. That's a yeah. very <laughs> unique dream. It's like her and the guy from The Walk that walked across the uh, freaking Twin Towers back and forth. Those are the only two people I've ever heard of that dream of being tightrope walkers. <laughs> Cash has a book, Marette on the High Wire. Mm-hmm. And it's a great little book about a little girl who wants to be a tightrope walker. So. Do you think there's it's any chance that it's it the inspiration? Do you think she could be? Huh? How old's that book? Do you think it could be the inspiration for Madeline? Uh, maybe. Yeah, Marette, and the, Marette yeah. on the high wire. This is this is a is. breaking news. This could be huge, huge reveal. Book originally published in 1992. Well, that's before this so, movie came yeah. out. Could be. They said first one based on a Victor Hugo classic. Let's get something equally yeah. classic. Ten year old <laughs> kids book. The- <laughs> yes, Uh-oh. this kids book. Yeah. Um, Well, she's up there practicing. He comes in and gets mad at her. She says she wants to contribute more to the circus by being a tightrope walker. And he says, I don't want you to do anything, but stand there and look pretty during my shows. Um, But if she does want to help, he has a task for her. And she can go to the bell tower and investigate La Fidel because they're planning to steal it because they are not just a circus, but a bunch of thieves. Sarouche yeah. is the king of thieves, you could say. He is the he's the jester of kings. What well, no, jester for kings? Probably ringleader of. He's probably closer to a ringleader, right? Yeah, right. ringleader, maestro. Which I feel like a criminal. Ringmaster. I feel like ringleader works as a double meaning because, like, I feel like a criminal circuit, like a ring leader, can be someone who's organizing like a band of hoodlums. Oh, yeah. So look at that. Um. Madeline is resistant, but Sarouche reveals that, like, she owes him because she was a kid. She stole from him, and he caught her and didn't turn her in. Right? Yes. And- he. She was trying to steal some gold coins from him, and I guess he caught her. Yeah, and he's like, well, you were trying to steal from me, you thief, and now you owe me your life's... Yeah. You're in debt. Your whole life is mine, basically. That's he how it works. That's how it works. Uh, So she is in the situation that Quasimodo was in the first movie, basically being raised, indebted to somebody who doesn't give a fuck about her uh, and feeling like she owes that person, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So she makes her way to the bell tower in search of the bell ringer. uh, And Quasimodo hides from her because he fears that she will find him hideous, right? And he's not good at meeting new people. So he kind of hides in the shadows and is, like, hiding under the bell. But they're getting along really well while he's hiding. They're flirting. Um, she mm-hmm. does a uh, He does a bit where he's, like, standing under a bell. And she's like, it looks like you're wearing a giant hat. And I was mostly thinking, like, it does not in any way look like he's <laughs> wearing a giant line. hat. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Their he's standing under a bell. really dumb. <laughs> it's a dumb, yes. It's, like, very dumb lines and i guess it kind of 
works. Like they're both kind of dumb and they both think they're kind of funny. I so guess. I, mean, I guess maybe that's sweet. Maybe. But I just hated the dialogue. Yeah, I don't I like their dialogue. dialogue. I don't feel like they have a very compelling chemistry when they're flirting. They're just like two no. kind of cornballs, but it doesn't feel like either of them are really like that into it. I don't know. Um, yeah. She's just, yeah. yeah, just doubles over in laughter seeing him yes. looking like he's wearing a giant hat. When it doesn't. It just looks like a man standing <laughs> under a bell. Like, yes. it's whatever. Um, and she gets a look at one of the gargoyles that where it looks like it's moving. And so this in this movie, it very much seems to be that the gargoyles are definitely alive, not just in Quasimodo's head, which is one of the more interesting parts of the first movie is that it seems as though Quasimodo could possibly just be imagining the gargoyles' existence, right? Yes. Yeah. It's very much the first one. I kind of liked in the first one just thinking that they were yeah. kind of in his head. I like, like that I just, too. You know, it, like that he lugs around these huge, like, cement sculpture stone out like giant gargoyles just hauls him around to like play with them yeah. you know because he's super strong we both like it but it does, does also add to the depressing nature of that movie that like there's that whole other element of oh he's so lonely that his only friends are these created imaginary personas for these gargoyles yeah. you know it's a little sad it bumps so me I out it's nicer that they're actually <laughs> yes legit and real it doesn't really ever explain like how they're magically no that and they're the only part of Notre Dame that's that's that way like nothing else comes to life it's nope. just those three guards. just those three that's fine maybe he just believed hard enough in a miracle kyle and so they came to life um may, may i add though it's very it's very similar to uh, the the way that in the first one you don't know if the if the sculptures it could be just in his head mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of boss baby and boss baby oh one boss baby two God. and boss Ugh. baby one the main character it, it's about it, it's about him you know his parents have a new baby and he's trying to figure out he's been the only child and now he's got to figure out what to do with the new kid mm. so in the first one you can kind of think about him just kind of making up this huge extravagant thing with the baby to kind of cope with it mm-hmm. that the baby's a boss and it comes from baby core or whatever um that's kind of how the first movie is and then the second one which just came out and i'm sure you you've seen it and most of our listeners have probably seen it yeah it's, well it's you know, sweeping the nation i'm pretty hit. sure it dethroned fast and the furious nine number one at the box office now it actually yeah, i can't i can't i can't go against Fast. Well, furious i'm nine, actually looking but. and it says boss baby two uh has dethroned uh, avengers endgame as the number one grossing movie of all time <laughs> kyle <laughs> Everybody has yes. seen it. Every person I, alive. I, I believe it. And in the second one, the 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 babies, baby core really interacts with the rest of the world and so it's more that it really is a thing where where the first one it could be just the kid's imagination. So that it's yeah, I think a lot of our listeners and you are probably already thinking that. I definitely was for this movie that I've never seen either one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you will ever sell me on unironically watching a movie called Boss Baby. <laughs> That's the just, problem. They're actually good. I just I, think I will never good. believe it in a million. But nobody watches them. No. They always crap on these movies. I'm so the turned off the by the concept inherently that there's just no way I can watch a movie <laughs> where it's like Alec Baldwin as a little fat baby in a business suit 
<laughs> being Alec Baldwin. I don't know. Have you seen the poster for Boss Baby 2 as a poster? Um, yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember I if I shared it. it with you. But there's a poster where it's, like, him laying across the desk with, like, stockings on. Like, and it says, like, ready for business or something. Like, he's, like, got a <laughs> sexy secretary pose or something. And I'm just like, why is this poster vaguely sexualizing this fucking baby of all things? Oh, what? I'm just looking at <laughs> yeah. it. It's bad. It's so bad, right? Why? Like, it says, I love casual Fridays. And he's in... <laughs> Like fishnet stockings. What? Is there That's an element bad. of the movie where he enjoys wearing fishnet stockings? No. No. What is that? Who okay? The, the 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 depth of the movie, it is deeper than you than you than you think. Because the there, first wait, one, so if I looked I at Bo- Kyle, if I looked at Boss Baby Two, would it say to me, There's more to me? Which is what Madeline says to Quasimodo at the end of this movie to get him to release her from her bonds. Oh, uh, no, it, no, it, it doesn't. It wouldn't, but yeah, you well, might, they don't talk. It, Movies don't talk, you're right. You sense. might like Boss Baby 2, because I gave it an extra half star because I'm a dad. And it, and I think I'm going to give, about I think I'd give it up. less stars yeah. because I'm a dad, and I find that baby so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad poster. I hate that poster. It's fine. Someone's going to jail for that poster. <laughs> they should. All right. But Jeff Goldblum's a villain in it, and I mm. and I like him. He, he doesn't seem too much. Sometimes sometimes Jeff Goldblum is recently just sometimes has been a little he's, much for me. He's a little one, he's too aware of his you know appeal. A little too in on the joke of Jeff Goldblum. You can tell he's hamming yeah. it up a bit. So yeah, there you. You, you you need to put it on your list. It's got to be part of your movie. Mm-hmm. You well, we'll see. Both. We'll see. I'll think about it. Uh, <laughs> if I get really desperate, maybe uh, I'll put it on. I think it's on Peacock. Even the sequel, right? I assume you watched it on Peacock, and we not... watched it on Stars. It's on Stars. Had a Stars login. At both the of them Brooke had a Stars login. So uh, the first one. I don't remember when I saw the first one. It was a long time oh, okay. ago. But um, Boss Baby Two is the one that just came out. It's on Stars already. It just came out in theaters. That's so confusing. Showtime. I don't know. Stars. Showtime. It started with an S. She logged into something. It wasn't Peacock. Samsonite. I was way <laughs> off. <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay, so Quasimodo and Madeline were flirting, right? Uh, and then Quasimodo puts on his fishnet stockings and dresses up like a baby uh, and reveals himself. Um, and she sees him, Kyle, and she freaks out and she runs away. She gets one look and their fun flirting is ended. And this was a point last time where I asked you, well, Kyle, if people are so scared of Quasimodo, you're a doctor. What's wrong with them? What? Well, this one, this you know what? We need a doctor around. And guess what? I'm a doctor. So guess what? I got Dr. Davidson's diagnosis for Quasimodo. What's wrong with the guy? It's Dr. Davidson's diagnosis. What's wrong with them? Bring. The great thing that Artie, about Artie doing this mm-hmm. is I get to quiz you on what you remember from my lecture about Quasimodo. I think I'm going to so nail tell it. Me, tell me, Scott, I know that you remember mm-hmm. everything because you mm-hmm. pay attention to this and, and you and you want to you be able to brag to all your friends. Yeah, I've said that I use this podcast to, I'm going to use it as qualifications to get my own uh, 
doctor certification. I couldn't think of a medical degree. There's no <laughs> medical degree. I was my brain wanted to say doctorate, but I'm like, it's not a doctorate. It's it's it is a doctorate. Is it? Is that what it's still called? I feel like people call it a doctorate more with a PhD than an MD. I don't yeah, know. but I mean, I don't know. It has the name doctor. It does doctor have that in there. So. I mean, you don't have either, to be clear to all listeners. He doesn't have an MD, so I wouldn't go to him. Um, no, but <laughs> do do Um. Well, okay, here's what I remember then. So this is Dr. Scott's attempt to remember a diagnosis. Um, I believe your first thought, Kyle, of course, is going to be, you're looking at Quasimodo, you know that his mother is one of the Romani people, so your first instinct is to start looking up if the lack of genetic diversity amongst the Romani people might have led to any uh, common birth defects in Quasimodo. Yeah. I think. Keep talking. Um, yeah, and heck yeah. I, you said it better than I did, I think. Uh, I remember that uh, there was something that was semi-common that had cataracts and something with facial dysmorphia in it. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So, yes, the Romani people, when, when, a, when a small group of, of people, you know, a population of people kind of mate with each other and mix their gene pools up. A lot of the genetics are very similar mm-hmm. and you can get a lot of rare diseases because of genes that basically line up that really shouldn't line up normally because one's a recessive and one's a dominant. Well, if you put two recessives together, um, then you can you can get a bad phenotype, a, a bad disease. So, so that's, you're right, exactly how you said it. I looked into this and congenital cataracts, facial dysmorphism and neuropathy. Look at that came up as one as a diagnosis from the Romani people that they specifically can suffer from which is interesting to just immediately find something it's like well facial dysmorphism there it is boom so but we did decide um, that his eyesight seems pretty good so he probably yeah. doesn't have the cataracts part he probably doesn't have the cataracts and the last part of it is neuropathy which is you know not being able to feel um, because you can't have that sensation of touch mm. um, or or neuropathy is just Neuropathy means the the destruction of nerves, so it can manifest more as pain, mm-hmm. um, numb, that burning, tingling feeling. You know, if you bump your elbow, you know, your funny bone, mm-hmm. that shock sensation. Some people have to live with that, like, on their feet all the time. It's very common in diabetes I almost wouldn't be surprised if Quasimodo had something like that, because it does work thematically that he doesn't get to feel touch. You know, because uh, he doesn't get a lot of love in his life. So I think it yeah, would work it on an emotional level, too. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember specifically talking about what a hunchback is, which is your stoop that forms. A na- Most people have like a natural stoop over time. It's just literally your kind of spine kind of curving forward a bit toward the top. Exactly. Yes. And that is called kyphosis. Yes, kyphosis. And so kyphosis is the natural... Your spine has a natural kyphotic curve in it, and your thoracic spine, you know, your chest, kind of your your thorax, Mm -hmm. kind of bends forward naturally. The opposite direction is called lordosis. That's kind of your lordosis is your lower lower spine because it kind of curves back and in. So hunchbacks really is specific for kyphosis, bending forward of that spine. Quasimodo, I think he has a little bit more scoliosis as well because it's so far curved over his shoulder. Yes. Um, do you want to see the pictures again? No, I don't, because they're disgusting. But you can tweet them out. They're really <laughs> gross. Good luck to our uh, listeners. Yes, we'll tweet them out. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So with 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 um, 
with Quasimodo, he, his hump is very much on his right side, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, that's right. And so I think he's got a lot of this kyphosis going on, this hyperkyphosis, really. And then also a scoliosis, which is a bending of the spine to the right. And previously I showed Scott a, a picture yeah. of, a, of a severe scoliosis where um, at some point you can measure the angles on scoliosis. You can see the curves get to a point where it can mess up your breathing and even your heart. And that's when things like surgery are, are recommended. And so the picture I showed him was actually a before and after of a surgery um, showing a, a very scoliotic spine become a very straight spine. And um, those surgeries are like 9 to 12 hours long. Um, there's some x-rays. It's a ton of hardware that goes into the spine. But it's a major, major improvement for the people who have it. Yeah, so. and I don't want anybody who has bad scoliosis to think I'm shaming you or think you look gross or weird. The pictures only gross me out because it's like a person with their shirt off and you can like see. I don't like when you can see someone's spine in their back at all anyway, you know? Like I'm already <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. when I can see people's bones showing through skin because it makes me too aware of what our bodies are, you know? And uh, so seeing it, and it's also like curving over like a question mark really makes me uncomfortable to look yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, and I blasted it at you before. I was like, hey, yes. boom, there it is. <laughs> Whether you want to see it or not. So, um, so yeah, the only other thing we I touched on was just some other things with his uh, face that uh, could be related. He has a lot of features of something called Hurler syndrome, which is a mucopolysaccharidosis. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. It is. Uh, did I did I read the description of what those are? I don't think I did. I can't remember. Well, if let you me did, tell you. But I just want to say, Madeline. Diseases. Hey, I'm like, what? Madeline had hurler syndrome when she saw him. You know, she was hurling. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. She, she yeah, um, <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth me cutting you off. <laughs> Uh, it's a caused by a mutation of genes coding for lysosomal enzymes needed to degrade gly- glycosaminoglycans, um, which uh, they're necessary to form connective tissue. So basically, uh, bones and connective tissue. So it kind of alters that process. These kids are also very uh, um, intellectually disabled, and a lot of them die by age 10. Um, that's kind of like the max. So it's a very sad illness to to have so he he's lived much longer than that i don't think he has it but he does have similar features which mm-hmm. is um coarse facial features large tongue prominent forehead joint stiffness short stature skeletal dysplasia um that's uh, one of the things that a paper i i looked up talked about what quasimodo might actually have can you imagine that there's actually a paper out there that talks about it wow. and um of course they mentioned that one, so you so. stole you stole all this so this isn't even dr davidson's diagnosis this is a. Uh... This is someone else's. I'm going to need to source yeah. that paper. I need to put my references in. <laughs> um, yeah, no, most most of this is... Yeah, so so that part was from a little paper or something, mm. but that's mm. it. So that's it. That's Dr. Davidson's diagnosis. Uh, I'm going to put an asterisk. That's Dr. whoever wrote that paper's diagnosis. Yes. Uh, in <laughs> Dr. Here. Davidson's diagnosis. Well, Kyle, Quasimodo, he doesn't know what is his ailments are. He just knows that he feels sad, uh, so I guess he can feel, uh, that uh, Madeline ran away from him. And he goes and he starts carving a little figurine of her to add to his town. The figurine looks exactly like Tinkerbell. Just, I feel like maybe it's on purpose, but I don't know. 
If it's like a reference. Um, It does look a lot like Tinkerbell. Uh, And then he asks the gargoyles if they believe in miracles, which leads us to a song that you and I have contentious opinions on, from what I remember. Uh, An Ordinary Miracle. We talked about like fighting to the death over this song, right? Yeah. I was supposed to come over. That was the main reason why the episode was unusable, is you left all of a sudden. (laughs) And then like an hour later, (laughs) you kick down my door, and it's just the sound of us fighting for another 30 minutes after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think this song sucks. You like it. This is the one that opens, and it's like him... uh, I think it sucks at first, let me say. It's like got no music underneath him singing at first, and it sounds yes, like he did very not have... a bad start. Yeah. That's a very bad start. It's like that can work really well if a singer has like a lot of time to prepare and really nail it, but it feels a lot like they made him just like get one listen through or sight read it, you know? Like, you just just go mm-hmm. for it. You'll be fine. Uh, and they just went with that. And But it does pick up as it goes on. It's him kind of flipping around the tower doing neat stuff around the tower even though it looks crappy um and just singing about how he doesn't need a big miracle he just needs like an ordinary miracle he needs a little bit of luck on his side so he can get love yeah it's the animation is very distractingly bad mm-hmm. like he he's doing good things but it just looks not appealing to watch like it, it just a little bit more love on this with with the animation would have been nice. The whole movie, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like it's especially bad, I would say. It's just distracting because it sucks. Stands out because he's doing things that you could imagine would look good at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's hanging upside down, singing to a bat in the bell tower or whatever. Just fun things, I guess. Um, it's fine. I, I just, think it has... Yeah. I was only going to say that. I just think it is a pales in comparison to his song in the first movie yeah i mean it's it i don't think it would fit in the first movie mm. i i like it i think it, it just has a nice build to it um tom holse he's not the best singer Mm-mm. so he, he could have used a few more takes or something i don't think that i don't i don't know how much i like do you like the the notion of them of bringing in singers to sing for actors and actresses I, as, a, as a general thing? What what do you think about that? It can be done well, but I do always find it a little disappointing in a weird way, and I don't know why. But there is part of me that is like, I look, I can feel more connection to the character when I know that it's the same person doing the speaking as the singing. Like, uh, mm-hmm. even in live-action stuff every now and then, there to bring it back to Buffy, uh, there's that episode where Jonathan sings, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember finding out that it was a sound, like it was a different singer singing for him, the, voice, the singing voice for Aladdin, uh, and being, like, bummed because I really wanted to mm-hmm. think that's, oh, that's surprising. He can sing pretty well, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just always a little bit like, I don't know, it's... It's kind of like uh, if somebody couldn't do a stunt, so they use CG instead. But they use stunt people, and I don't mind that. So I don't know why it bugs me a little bit. But I do I do prefer when it is... I would rather have Tom Holse, who has a clear, defined vision for Quasimodo as a character, because he has already played the part, 
in the previous movie, yeah. but also just in general, like he's acting out this whole movie. He has gotten into the headspace exactly the way that you know, speaking that he is going into the song. So even if he can't sing as well, he sings fine. He's hitting the notes well, you know. He sings how mm-hmm. I would imagine Quasimodo can sing. So I think yeah. it works to connect me more to the character uh, in that instance. And that's what I thought as well going through. I was like, you know what? Maybe Quasi just isn't that great of a singer, which is very believable mm-hmm. that he's just not that great of a singer. Because it's not like Tom Will, I don't think he's bad. No. He just doesn't hit the notes, you know, right Exactly. He just doesn't blow um, you away when he's singing. Yeah. You're just like, that's... It'd be like if your friend was singing on stage at, like, community theater, you'd be like, wow, they're pretty good. You know? It's just like... Right, it's, yeah. It's not exactly. like yeah. normal Hollywood, the one of the top .001% singers in the world level is the only difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do love Tom Hulse. Shout out Amadeus, where he plays Mozart, and he's great. You should watch that movie, Kyle. It's really good. I should. I mean, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, so probably pretty good. <laughs> Although there are some that aren't very good, so it's not a great metric. Uh, <laughs> um, right. Either way, he sings. Good. I think we can move on. Yeah. I think we set it up about this. We'll song. move it's, on. I, I like it. Yeah. You don't. You like it, and I'm going to come to your house and kick your ass later. <laughs> yeah. uh, when the song ends, his gargoyle friends tell him to go to the circus because he needs to make his own miracle happen, not just wish like some lazy millennial. Uh, so he gets gussied up in his... He puts on a fancy outfit, uh, and he goes and meets Esmeralda, Phoebus, and Zephyr, so they can all go to and the I circus. Like, I do like his line, because he's getting... He's he doesn't want to go. He's like dejected, and they're like, and he's like, and the, the gargoyle's like, "What does one wear to these things?" And he goes, "Nothing." And then one of them's like, "Whoa, a little pushy for a first day date, <laughs> wearing nothing." I thought it was funny. That is funny. I don't think I noticed that line. That's good. Um, yeah, I think it's Jason Alexander who. I think they probably give him all the best lines. He's the most famous gargoyle, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know the other, the other. I think. Well, the, the 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 female gargoyle is recast, kind of. Um, the original voice actress died during production of the first movie, and they oh. they replaced her. But that replacement also does some lines in the first movie that she didn't get to record. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's like a half recast. But they're like old Hollywood actresses that are doing that gargoyle. So I don't know. Um, yeah, her. Uh- picture on imdb is black and white so well so is Haley joel osmond so. <laughs> it's true it's right there it's just black and white too <laughs> uh and the other guy is charles kimbrough who is like he was on murphy brown i mean that's i don't i don't really know uh a lot about him either so i would definitely say jason alexander most famous you know by mm-hmm. a long shot i mean he was on like one of the most famous shows of all time so he pretty much outranks anybody but A-list stars in terms of fame. Yeah, um, yeah Quasimodo, though, he, he dresses up in, like, this fancy attire with a big hat, and he shows up and meets Esmeralda, Phoebus, and Zephyr, and they're all like, maybe lose the hat, right? Because he just looks a little too done up is what it seems like. Um, yeah. Phoebus, uh, this is where Phoebus is kind of a letdown in this movie compared to the first movie. Because the first movie, he is like, great. You're never really against him, right? Like, yeah. that I can think of. In the first movie, he's just like, I'm not going to be an asshole and burn down this city. I'm not racist against the Romani people. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm yes. just an all-around, like, 
nice guy that you're like, well, okay, if she's not going to get with Quasimodo, at least it's not like a douchebag. In contrast to Frollo, he's a hero. Yes. You know, for basically just having normal values. <laughs> yes. You know, the he 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 does leap into the, you know, Frollo's like, hey, these peasants in here who are obviously not hiding anything, but we're we're punishing them. Burn burn them alive. And just burn them to and, death. <laughs> He's like, no. Uh, so Frollo does, and he jumps in the in there and saves them. You yeah. know, as any you would hope that, that you hope that you're the person who can, who does that in that situation, right? Absolutely. And so he he yeah he's he's a hero in the first one, yeah. and this one he is just misled, misguided. Yeah, I, he's, I guess he's trying to do the right thing, but also it's just weird a that little bit racist yeah he's like yeah. it's not even right it's 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 weird because they're equating racism to anti-circus sentiment or something you know like it's not yeah. like a circus member is a race but he doesn't trust circus people is his yeah. whole thing <laughs> and esmeralda thinks that that's too near a line to the way that Romani people have been treated. He's like, I don't know about these circus people. They roll into town or whatever. And she's like, what do you mean by they, you know, and just like, just like my people, um, he changes. And he's like, yes, exactly. And then he, <laughs> then he realizes what he just said. Oop. Yeah. Oop. Um, he changes the subject. He asks Quasimodo, where's this Madeline that I've been hearing about? Um, and then we see Madeline in, like, Sarouche's dressing room. And this is where they reveal that Sarouche is secretly overweight and bald and not a hottie with a body like he's trying to let on. Um, he's very vain, is what we know, mm-hmm. because he's got pictures of himself all over the room. And he's got, like, a, a helper whose whole job is to, like, squeeze him into a girdle and pull his face back and put yes. a wig on him and all this. Uh, he's so disgusting. Yeah, he is. He's so disgusting. He's gross. And I he's love great. that. I love that about his character. That's, yeah, I think without that part of him, he would be super bland. He'd be so flat. Yeah, I do like they gave him, like, another element. Yeah, yeah his he's just an absolutely disgusting human that, like, pulls himself, like, squeezes all of his fat into himself mm-hmm. to uh, to look good on the outside and he's obsessed with it. Yeah. And he's obsessed with himself. And they do the good job of making his deeper element be the thing that plays in contrast to the theme of the movie of self-acceptance and self-love and beauty being on the inside by making mm-hmm. it so he is 1000% only concerned with making himself look beautiful on the outside to everybody else and not sharing who he really is. So way to go, writers! You did a good thing. Um, and then uh, she she's pleading with him not to make her get close to Quasimodo, I think because she's, like, so scared of him, you know? Um, yeah. But he insists she has to, so I guess that's that. Um, yeah. And then uh, there was a moment... Okay, yeah, we... we we talked about... He tells his guard to hit the mirror button that's in his trailer. This moment yeah. that doesn't play ever really pay off... But he's got. You think it's going to. You really do. He's got a statue that opens up with a hidden button inside of it. And when you push that, it makes all the pictures be covered with mirrors. And it just. Mm -hmm. They show that. And that's really no purpose other than him being like, I'd kiss myself, but I'd fall in love when he looks in the mirror at himself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I rewound when I watched it because I was wanting to see if he's like hiding something like did I miss something here because it was just strange that he has a secret button to put the mirrors down yeah 
I, and then I'm like, okay, it'll come back later, and then it doesn't. It doesn't. There's the thing later with the box that he has the like jewelry hidden in. Does the That's button a trick? But does the button also trigger that? So it triggers. So it triggers a mirror. I don't know. That's, that's convoluted, but I, I guess I believe that that was why they did it. That's all I got. Because he does specifically like hit that button when Phoebus mm-hmm. is coming later, but they don't but ever show. No, the they mirror. don't you have explain to, you it have at to all. Know how that trick works? Yes, you really like, have to. You know, infer. The only reason I know that is because I know that those like that a mirror slides in and like makes it look like the box is empty. Yeah. That's something that makes terrible. any sense. Yeah, it must be something like that. Uh, they definitely probably meant to actually show it, and somehow something got lost in production. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, either way, he just says his line about how hot he is, and then he leaves, and Madeline stares at herself because she's ashamed, I guess. And we cut back to yeah. the circus. She feels like she's she has to do what he says because yeah. of this stupid six- you know, because if she stole thing a thing, she from stole him. when she was six years old. You know, just leave. Just he's. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, just go. This is not. This is not a Megara Meg thing from Hercules, no. where she like made a decision as an adult and now is indebted to Hercules. Yeah. to to Hades. Key thing is Hades is a god who can literally bind yeah. your soul to the underworld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. Because it because it has similar vibes to that because she is doing Hades bad work mm-hmm. you know in in Hercules and then doesn't really want to be where in this one it's it's similar but there's just no reason for her to there's just nothing really stopping her from just going like other than she was she was taking care of this guy started manipulating her at age six yeah I guess that's fair and so she's just conditioned to know to think that she can't do anything. I guess. Do anything different. I guess so it, it that's It makes sense fair. to me in that way. It does but. make sense in that way, but normal movie logic doesn't go that deep, so it's just harder yeah. in the movie world. Um, we then, uh, we come back to the circus as it's beginning, and it seems pretty lit. There's bears that are, like, rolling around on balls and juggling at the same time. Uh, Sarush is making, he's, like, on stage, and he makes, like, three juggling balls just appear in Zephyr's hand, because He's really magical, apparently. Yeah, he just does real magic. Yeah. It's it's, ins- it's not a trick. Like, that's not a trick. There's no reality where you can just make a ball appear out of thin air in another person's hand. If it were at a magic show, I'd be like, okay, that person is also a magician. They're planted in the audience. But I know that Zephyr is not an audience plant. He is a six-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um and then uh, he starts, like, voguing and dancing on stage, and his henchman holds up a hubba hubba sign for the crowd. The ladies start to swoon. Um, <laughs> Do you think they're in on it? Like, actually? Uh, they could be. They could be in on it. I wouldn't put it past him. Even if he isn't doing it, maybe, like, one of his number twos hiring women to, f- like, fawn at his feet because they know that he'll be more bearable after the show if that happens, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. While everyone is enthralled by his magic, uh, this is where his goons secretly start stealing jewelry off of everybody in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like their mo, right? This is you could. This seems like what they're used to to doing is they steal people from. They steal like the jewelry and and they pickpocket people during the show, and this this notion that he's gonna steal a bell. Seems way out of place. Now, Kyle, like, I like, think they're actually their normal MO is they just travel to cities with cathedrals that have gold and gem encrusted bells and steal them. 
Yes. I, I'm clearly no. You're right. That is clearly like their their day to day crime is we distract you, we misdirect you with the magic, and then we rip you off during that. Um, he distracts them by making an elephant disappear, which is yes, yeah, important later because we need to. It is very important. Yeah. Adve mysterium obscuro elephantum mirabile visu escepo facto, and the elephant disappears. <laughs> And I'm like, that's how he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's how he's going to get the bell. I'll be honest, I didn't think about that at all. So this is a, r- a rare Whoa. instance of you. Did I catch something that you didn't? I mean, yeah, I'd say so. You did. Wow. That's like very, that's just, I'm writing that down. Write it down. We'll this make a list. Point. Make a list of the times <laughs> that you knew something was set up and I didn't. Yeah, I mean... I guess I just didn't even consider that he would need any special thing to get the bell, you know? Like, my brain is yeah. just like, like he's just going to yeah. take it. Like, whatever. Who cares? Like, but, yeah. I, I had no idea how. I was already like, how is he going to steal a giant, like, bell that probably weighs multiple tons? Like, it's just ridiculous. I just and assumed it So when he makes an elephant would... disappear, yeah. I'm like, okay, then there's something going on here. I was just imagining it was literally going to be like, we see him get near the bell, and then we never see what happened. We just see later him, like, with a horse-drawn cart, and that bell's in it, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't think they would bother <laughs> explaining it. Uh-huh. Oh, they barely They almost kind it. of did, although they don't, <laughs> they because <laughs> they don't the really. way they explain this elephant trick cannot possibly be the way he gets rid of the bell. Um... Zephyr loves the circus, though, Kyle. He's loving it, and he wants to join it. But Quasimodo only has eyes for Madeline, uh, and he is, like, zoned out, staring at her, and Zephyr is gets his attention back and is like, bro, you got to focus on me only. And he's worried that I'm going to lose you if you if you find love, I guess, or something. Uh, Zephyr six, so he's like girls are icky, basically. Yeah. Uh, and Quasimodo assures him that he'll always be there for Zephyr. Uh, and Madeline hears that, and she's like, she overhears him say that line, and she's like, "Oh, that's pretty sweet." Um, and then we begin the third song, which is useless. This is, I mean, it's it serves one function, <laughs> but ultimately, it's just a stupid song. I think we agree. Yes, I mean, it's a pretty big function, right? Because this is yeah. this is Zephyr. And this is, for, this is, I, I thought it was a fun song, him kind of bouncing around. It's cutesy. And, and you, what the real function of it is to see Quasimodo being a great guy singing with a kid. Yes. And then what he does it, at the end is Zephyr like falls asleep and Quasi's still singing to him. Yeah. And Madeline's watching this whole thing happen and she's just like falling for this she's got big like oh he's good with kids and that's important to me so she's like in she starts falling for quasi here which is nice i guess although i don't know is that like a thing really that would sway you like is there is he the only person who's sweet with kids that she's ever met maybe Maybe, i guess because to her when she was six she was fucking being raised by <laughs> Sarouche. Yes. So, yeah, like, I guess... Uh, no, that's, like, a thing, though. Yeah. Girls love it when a guy, like, has a puppy, you know, or, like, has something small to take care of and, like, a guy that's, like, really... I get. Like, good with kids. I mean, that's like a good a, thing. Like you, a if you want thing. kids, you want your partner to be good with kids, naturally. I just don't know if yes. it alone is enough for me to be like, well, I will fall in love with that person. But I guess it's enough to give Quasimodo at least a chance so that she can fall in love with him. 
It's just. I, I mean, I've heard specific people say that like they started liking a guy because like they saw him with a kid and that like clicked for him. Then. Okay. Well, and did any of those like, guys like, have gigantic hunchbacks and uh, <laughs> no. faces? That no. Were, like, <laughs> yeah, distorted. I didn't think so. No. Um, so uh, Quasimodo gives Zephyr back to his parents, though, and then Madeline reveals herself. He tells her how great she was, and the two of them kind of flirt. Um, and she reveals that, you know, being a magician assistant is fine, but she wants to walk the tightrope. Uh, Quasimodo then works up his courage and asks her out for a date uh, slash tour of Paris, and she accepts. And they head off. And... Um, mm-hmm. This and this is this is the part in the movie where I was like, oh, I'm actually invested in the plot of this movie, they got which him. I was not expecting. I did not think that I would that this was going to be any good because I saw like bad reviews for it, and it was like here I was like, you know what? I want to watch the rest of this movie because I, I don't. I'm not able to say that for a lot of me, a lot of the movies we've watched. Yeah, but for this one, I'm like, I was invested. I was into this movie, and so I was, you know. I was happy about that. I was not as fully invested as you, but I do share the sentiment that this movie does have a lot of uh, uh, fans, people who hate it online, let's say. And yes. uh, so it it was at least surprisingly more interesting than uh, and more on point than I would have guessed based on the uh, vitriol that people spew toward it. Um... Well, Sarush sees them from the shadows, and he is most pleased as he puts his stolen goods away, I guess. Um, And then we cut to the townspeople complaining to Phoebus that their stuff was stolen, and he is just like, I'll find it. I bet it was the circus people. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, And he has like a little exchange with his horse whose name is Maximus or something like that. Uh, I don't know the horse's name. Well, Frank Welker. Oh, maybe it's Achilles. I may have made that up. I think it's Achilles because I see Frank Welker is credited as Achilles. So I don't know where the hell I got Maximus from. Um, and I'm just assuming Frank Welker is the person doing the voice of the horse. Got it. Yeah. Um, he has like a bit. He's like, how often have I ever been wrong? And then the horse starts counting, tapping his hoof. And he's like, that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> um then I like that bit. I like that bit too. It's great. It's I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of I'm a fan of his relationship with Achilles. Even if I did say when we were recording before, uh, not to keep harkening back to our past recording, uh, <laughs> but that I did yes, think that this one. Yeah, this was I. It, the horse was fresh in my mind because I did a double feature of of Hunchback and Hunchback Two, mm-hmm. and in the first one, uh, the horse like his thing is he he sits on people and like he uh, Phoebus tells him to sit sit you know on their and the horse like ha- is a little sassy and like just sits its butt right on people's faces and stuff. Fine. And so in this one, it's like nice to see the horse still doing some sassy stuff. I don't remember him having like a sassy relationship with Phoebus specifically. I guess is why it stood no, out to me. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but, but whatever. Um, What's yeah. it, who cares? <laughs> just make the horse yeah. fun. It's a Disney movie. Um, yeah. Well, Quasi and Madeline go on their tour of Paris. Um, they like see. I think they see a little hand puppet play first. I'm not really sure how that one ties in, but I did note that like all the the things that they do are all things that are like a setup 
situation where it's like, oh, it seems like a bad thing on the surface, but there's secretly it's fine. You know, they're all relating back to this idea of not letting, not judging a book by its cover, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they go to see a souffle and it pops and Madeline's like, oh, it's ruined. And Quasimodo is like, no, it's still delicious. Try it. And they go and they find what look like weeds, but they're actually like a spice that smells good. Quasimodo's like, no, smell it. Uh, and then they go, he's like, go, let's go to my favorite spot in the city. And it's like a dark tower. And she's like, I can't see anything. And he's like, yeah, but just try listening. And and then, I like that moment. I, Listen to the sounds of Paris, and she closed her eyes. And it's very uh, in the heights. You hear the taxis honking and, and people yelling and screaming. Yes. And, yeah. I was going to say it's, it's the, the it's the in the heights. Like, <laughs> let me listen to my block moment that that she has. Yeah. I'm a fan. Of, I do take moments every now and then to just like pause and listen to the sound of the town when I'm out and about. So I appreciate that moment too. Um, I do think still that. It's weird that Quasimodo is the one who's pointing out the inner beauty on these situations because I would have expected it to be Quasimodo who is the one who has the most self-doubt about his own external appearance or, you know, his own value. Mm -hmm. I would have thought he would be the one who is more of the pessimist where Madeline could be like, no, no, no. See, it's not that. showing him. So he could learn self-love. Yeah, yeah, you got to see the beauty in this and this. Yeah. Makes way more sense that way. It does, but I go I mean, back and forth on it because even as I say it, I I think like, well, it also kind of works that he already knows that these things have value that are ugly, and he just has to realize he has to see himself in that same light. So like, it kind of works that way too. It could work either way, I guess, but it feels more like the way the movie was going that it would have been Madeline. I don't know. I mm. like that they at least work that theme into these little moments yeah. that they're going through. So it's I will say it'd be hard to flip it just because Madeline's supposed to be like new to the area. Yeah. So you can't really have her like show this really cool secret tower yes. and like stuff like that. Yeah. And so um Maybe they could have each had their moments but... with the other because they both are insecure. So I don't know. But like just the, even just the yeah, souffle, true. she could have corrected him on the souffle. Then he could have shown her the tower. Like they could both be realizing Ooh, it like as they idea. go. It'd be something. Um, well, while they're running around, Kyle, <laughs> my favorite song comes up. Uh, the gargoyles spot them running around, and they said, somebody said, Jason Alexander needs a song. Get him a song. Yeah. Uh, and so we get song number four, which is Fa La 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 Falling in Love, which is a weird song. Uh, it's weird, and I, don't, I really just don't like you it. You don't like it, but I, I secretly, like not so secretly love it. I kind of find it catchy. I just, I, I like that. I'll say this. I wasn't really listening to the lyrics. I'm not someone who really listens to lyrics, but I did find the melody kind of catchy. And I did like when the townspeople join in and start singing as well. Um, Mm -hmm. At one point, like the chorus sounds rich, richer to me than I expect. Like it's maybe it's just that it's mixed better than a lot of these straight to DVD sequels are. But like, I thought it sounded good. Like they had good singers in that chorus. Um, Yeah. My, my problem with it is it it feels like two songs like smashed together like hard smashed together because it, it starts off like with this 
Fallen la 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 fallen fallen in love, which you you made the point that it sounds like a Christmas. There's just like, no way. Song. It like, has to be a Christmas song. <laughs> it has to be. There's just no way that it wasn't. There's no way. <laughs> but yes, fallen la 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 fallen. When have you ever? It's not that, but like legitimately, have you ever heard a song use fa la la la? Like I feel like it even no. sounds a little bit Christmassy the way the melody goes. I don't know, like yeah, yeah. It it's it's weird, and then it switches the town people. You're like, is this a different, <laughs> entirely different song? But then they still have the follow yeah lyric in there. I do like the end when it's like raining and they're dancing and everybody's dancing, and I I, I like the way it ends. It's just it just seemed out of place. It does just, feel just out of so place. Strange. That's the it's song's just, major. Ugh. My my main note on it when me and Celia were watching the movie was just like, I think I like this song the most in a vacuum, but it feels the least <laughs> like it belongs at all in this movie. Like like or, <laughs> it, it'd be like getting a, a sushi roll, like a bite of sushi, you know, and like the topping on it is like whipped cream or something, <laughs> you know, like just something that's just like not supposed to be there yeah is, is a sushi roll taste good maybe but it just doesn't it's not right <laughs> that's my take on it it's a sushi roll with a with whipped cream on it uh, well that's what we're gonna we're gonna have to if we have any sort of christmas gathering kyle we'll honor this christmas song with some yeah. sushi rolls <laughs> yes. with whipped topping on them um <laughs> well i need it let's be honest i I'd eat one. Yeah, one I would eat one just for the joke. I've never even really had like any sushi in my life, but I would eat it for the what? joke. We don't really live in a. Uh, we don't really live in a an area that screams fish. I'm not a fish <laughs> Fort guy. Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, it just screams like no water to be seen. <laughs> right by the ocean. Yeah, uh, I'm not a fish guy in general, so I don't feel like I would like it. Cause I've never put it on the books. We're going to Asakusa. Oh. That's the best sushi place in town, and we're going. Well, and we're eating lots of sushi. The best sushi place in Fort Wayne, Indiana. What a what an honor. Uh, it is. I'm there's sure some, it's good. I know Celia really likes sushi. I've just always, I've never had a piece of fish that I've enjoyed in my entire life. Like I've had ones that at best I can tolerate, but I've never been eating fish and been like, yeah, I, I'm happy that I'm eating this instead of something else like it's, we'll, we'll get we'll get the good the good rolls that you can't really tell that it's slimy fish good you know? that's what i love that's my that's the thing about fish is everyone tries to sell me on it by like we'll disguise the fact that it's fish as much as possible <laughs> okay so why am i it's, eating well, it? well it's to bring you in it's I it's know. to get you hooked you know because like like coffee you know what Someone who starts drinking coffee, what do they start drinking? They get like a frappuccino or something. They get a latte. You know, they get a a caramel macchiato. And then they like eventually they get used to the taste of coffee. And then maybe they try it with, you know, a cup with some just some black coffee with some creamer, a little less creamer. Maybe they just go straight black and they're like, hey, that's it. And then 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 they drink black coffee. That's it's kind of the same with with what I'm trying to do with sushi, you know, just trying to. Give you a little flavor of fish that maybe's good, and then you get used to it. That's fair like, enough. Although I'm the opposite with coffee. I did not really like things that had coffee flavor with a bunch of sweetener in there. Like I found that no. combination kind of gross. But I started drinking coffee. I just did it black, and I was like, "Oh, I like this better." Uh, because maybe nice. it's like because I know to expect just like bitter 
grossness, you know, that now I like, yeah. but it's like, it's like I forced myself in water. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause even now if I get like the wrong creamer in a coffee, if I get coffee with cream, like I don't like that dairy and coffee mixture that much, which is weird. Cause I do like a, occasionally I do like, like a Java chip frappuccino. Mm-hmm. Cause that's delicious. Those are like it. Those are like milkshakes. Yeah, they are just know? milkshake. I mean, that's they're what just I used to. Milkshake. My first thing, I'd get the vanilla frappuccinos from Starbucks, and that's basically just ordering a milkshake. Yeah, you get a vanilla and milkshake. I didn't realize that at first, <laughs> and then like I forget who it was it, it like imprinted on me. I'm pretty sure it was Carrie when she was just like, "It's like ordering a milkshake." Yeah, because I'd get one like in the morning. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh." You're right. Yeah. You're like, this is not great. It's not good for you to so. order milk. Oh, speaking of not good for you and milkshakes, we previously talked milkshake versus slushies, right? Today, I yes. had like four hours alone at the house. It was nice and warm out. I drove the car. I bought a gigantic Mountain Dew slushie and took a long oh, walk yes. outside with that Mountain Dew oh, slushie, keeping yes. me cool. And it was an amazing time. I even got Ooh. the speedway that I went to had Mountain Dew, and they also had Blue Mountain Dew Game Fuel Slushy. What? Yeah. So I what? mixed those two together, got a little bit of your signature Blue Raspberry type vibe, but with Blue Mountain Dew Game Fuel. I haven't had that. Whoa. I don't know when they released that last as a can. That must have been like a Halo release <laughs> yeah, for the blue one, I think. I know, right? Yeah. That, I need to get over there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll go. It's like eight minutes from my house. I drove. I specifically looked up which gas station had the best slushy that was nearby to drive to, to that <laughs> spot rather than Good. getting a mediocre slushy at the one that I can walk to. Uh, Man, I need to get there. Do you, do you frequent the Mountain Dew subreddit? I do not frequent the well, Mountain Dew subreddit. I frequent the Mountain Dew subreddit, <laughs> and people oftentimes will post their unique flavors that they find in the slushy machines specifically Ooh. at like gas stations because there's like different ones that like i haven't heard of before um or i you know let, let's be honest i've heard of them i've just haven't seen them and so it's fun to see yeah. the the pictures of it so i could maybe get some some good upvotes you know what if i, go I think that. we should do someday kyle talking about this i think we should do much like Quasimodo and Madeline do their tour of Paris, we should do a cross-country tour of America, specifically finding all of these uh, Mountain Dew slushy variants and trying oh, them. Yes. In I'm every all state. about it because I'm pretty sure we have to go to Hawaii at some point because they have a there's like a Maui flavor that Ooh, I've never had. I'm so, down with that. I don't know where else to get it. I don't even know if they have it in Hawaii, but I've, that's where I would start. And so we could vacation in Hawaii, like looking a, for the fabled Mountain Dew, Maui Blast. I don't Mau, know what it's Maui Maui Mountain Dew. I don't know. It feels like Mountain and Maui are so close that there's got to be oh, Maui Mountain. It's Maui. It's Maui Burst. Okay, so I was close. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here, viewers. Kyle is funding a trip. Uh, for both our families to Hawaii, no takesies, backsies. So, uh, <laughs> if you want to donate to Kyle uh, to make that happen, feel free, listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna start a GoFundMe for that. <laughs> a GoFundMe for expensive. my trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a thing. Um, okay, back to the movie. Quasimodo and Madeline are celebrating, uh, and it starts 
falling, the rain starts falling, like you said. So they go back to the tower, um, and when they're in the tower, Madeline spots La Fidel, and she's like, oh, it's beautiful. And then Quasimodo is like, you think that's beautiful? It's even more beautiful on the inside. Um, which is just, they did it. They nailed it. They got it. You worked mm-hmm. that theme in, guys. Um, and then he shows her the ridiculously impractical jewel-filled interior of the bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like inside the bell looking at her reflection inside of a gem and shows she sees Sarusha's face like reflected back at her, which I, <laughs> I don't know what that strange. means still. I, I don't understand. Um, but <laughs> she's like, I'm sense. done being in this bell, dude. And he's like, well, let's go get warm by the fire. I've I've just decided that that face is him using his magical powers to spy on her. Even though it's like obvious, I feel like I feel like what they're going for is her like remembering him. Like I, I don't even know. It's like either yeah, she's remembering him or she's thinking that she's being too similar to him while remember. Like when you look in your reflection and your reflection changes, that to me is like externalizing the internal conflict of how you see yourself, right? Like. Yeah, so you're wondering when will my reflection show yes, who I am? Who I am inside? Yes. So that is like to see Sarouche would say to me that her internal thought process is, "Oh no, I'm becoming Sarouche," but she's not yeah. doing anything that is like extra Sarouche. I mean, she's <laughs> helping him by looking at this bell, I guess. Maybe it's just she's reminded that she's not there just to enjoy herself, like you said, and she feels guilty being reminded that she's actually there spying on Quasimodo yeah. or whatever. I, I, that That's how I actually took it, I think, All right. is that well. she's just being reminded why she's actually there, and she's lying to, lying to Quasi. I, I don't maybe she said I don't, it would work better for me and maybe it does happen I just don't remember if she like said a lie as she was seeing herself change like Quasimodo asked her something excitedly and like she had to lie and then like yeah, saw a change but, but whatever it's it's just it doesn't well, it's, it's terrible they go and sit by the fire Kyle and they talk about their insecurities and she's like oh my god Quasimodo I've never met anyone like you you see the world so truly and he gives her the doll that he carved of her and is very smooth with his line where he says, mm-hmm. so you can always see yourself through my eyes. And that's pretty good yeah. for somebody who didn't talk to any other humans until like six <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, um, it's pretty smooth. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty slick. Uh, she is touched, but she suddenly announces that she has to leave probably due to guilt. Uh, and she kisses him on the forehead and runs away, and then Quasimodo is so love-struck that he faints to the ground. Yes, and he's, like, paralyzed, yeah. and it's pretty cute. It's pretty it's funny. Pretty it's good great. stuff. Um, and then it's, like, the next day, and Esmeralda is dancing in the town, uh, and Quasimodo, like, shows up and pulls her off stage and, like, takes her back to her tent because he's like, I think there's something wrong with me. I feel sick. Uh, and Esmeralda's like, no, bro, you're lovesick. Which is your actual diagnosis for him for the movie. Yes, uh, love sick. Yes. He's sick from the love. Oh, no. Esmeralda says, oh, no, I think you've come down with a case of puppy love. Um, and then Zephyr, and then <laughs> Zephyr walks into the... Remind me of puppy and then love. Zephyr walks in the tent, and they, like, hang on Quasimodo staring at him for a long time, you know? And we're all really uncomfortable. That's a yes. classic podophilia joke, guys. 
Good, good old potophilia, Lady in the Tramp too, everybody. Um, she encourages Quasimodo to tell Madeline how he. Oh, you skipped it. over a, an important okay, line. Okay, I'm sorry. That that Madeline says when she's with Quasimodo okay. by the fire, and she's just like, she she just looks at him, and she's she just asks, "Do you really think there is something more to me? That I have something more to give?" Oh, thank and you. It's like so genuine, and it makes you feel like, wow, she's so repressed, and 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 like by from. Sarouche just manipulating her and she's like messed up because of it like it's just it's it's sad I don't want to call back, back later, so. I don't want to I don't want to call back again to our failed recording but I feel like Kyle bringing up that line was a specific dig at the fact that in our first recording when that line comes back I was like I think it's a callback I don't remember probably fucking some dumb thing that they didn't say and he's he's bringing it up now like yeah they did set it up Scott oh, yeah. you idiot he's digging at I me I brought I brought it up then yeah. I was like there it is. Yes. I was just, I was honest with this movie. <laughs> you were Man. on it. Uh, picking up, picking it up. I mean, I'm sure, obviously I got that there probably was a line. I just was not taking diligent enough notes at that part um, to what she actually said. Well, thank you, Kyle, for pulling us back to my egregious oversight. Um, Quasimodo, Esmeralda tells him, tell Mal how you feel. Phoebus comes in, and he is immediately, he's just like being an asshole. He's like, these circus folks are a bunch of thieves. I know it. And he says, yeah, he's like, those people roll into town, and they steal shit. And Esmeralda's like, those people, bro. What's wrong with you? Uh, (laughs) And Quasimodo is like standing up for Madeline, because he's like, well, even if they're all thieves, Madeline's not a thief. She's different. And Phoebus says, uh, well, she could be different, or she could just be using you, Quasimodo. Um, And he is pissed off, Quasimodo, and he storms out. And then Esmeralda storms out, and then, like, the goat storms out. They all, like, one by one storm (laughs) out, giving Phoebus dirty looks. Uh, And he does, we get another little horse bit where he's like, well, when was the last, how many times has everyone matted me all at once? Yep. Um, I think I think you know what I like the most. The, the reason I like that joke so much, I think it's because it was subtle in the first the first time it happened. Yeah, like you just hear him doing the hoof, and you're like, oh, he's counting. Uh, and I think that that's a little, I guess, rare in these Disney sequels where they they do a more like. I, I guess it's not subtle because he he like announces yes. what he's doing, but. Yeah, so I, I thought it was just a little bit more like subtle than it's usual. It's an understated like comedic moment, at least while he's tapping. So that's something, yeah. yeah. Um, back at the circus, Sarouche is telling, or Madeline tells Sarouche, like, I'm out for real this time, bro. I know I've already come to you twice saying I don't want to do this, but this time I'm definitely not going to do it because I love Quasimodo, basically. Um, and then Sarush is like, oh, you love Quasimodo? Well, good, because if you don't get him out of that bell tower, we're still going to steal the bell, only we're going to fucking kill him. So if I were you, <laughs> I'd get him out. <laughs> so good guy Sarush, because he knows he has to kill the witnesses. So he's trying to minimize the collateral he's damage. He's trying to save, yeah. save him. Save Quasi. He's the hero of the film, really. Um, she reluctantly agrees. She stares at the doll that Quasimodo made of her, and then it cuts to Quasimodo staring at his own doll pensively, and then a ray of light hits his doll, and he smiles, and he leaves. 
the, 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 the metaphor appearing seemingly <laughs> being yeah that he has seen himself in a new light or he I don't know that's all it's I very got. random doesn't really make sense it's a little hard to parse but again it is a little at least calling back to things that are like subtle it is something you have to think about you know like it's not just what these would normally be where he's looking at the doll or whatever and he's and he'd be like you know what I'm not just a monster. If she could kiss my forehead, she could love me and then get up, you know? Like, it's something that he has, just an internal moment. I do like that they're trying to do something a little more subtle, and I do think that it almost works. The ray of light hitting the doll almost works as, like, a visual little seeing himself in a new light. That's the best way I can try to parse what is going on. Um... He gets up, he leaves, and then back in Sarusha's dressing room, this is where Phoebus shows up and starts questioning him, and, like, he pushes that button, because he has all the jewelry in the box, and he pushes the button, mm-hmm. and then he, like, goes and sits down when Phoebus comes in, and Phoebus opens up that same box, and it looks like it's empty. So, that's where that I magic know. trick maybe is the payoff to that button. We're not sure. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But he's questioning Sarush about the thefts, and Sarush deflects uh, with his magician skills onto Madeline. He starts, like, crying and being like, oh, it's the girl. She's been cursed. She's just, she's troubled since day one. She's a thief. Blah, blah, blah. She's the one thieving. I've tried to save her. Yeah. Um, so You have to do something about it. Like a great cop, Phoebus is like, oh, okay. And so he leaves to go find her instead. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. See you later. <laughs> no further questions. You're not being held in custody. We're not going to yeah. actually search this place. That's all I needed. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. All right. See you later. We get like a series of quick cuts here. They're trying to put some pieces in order for like the finale. So we got like Madeline shows up at Notre Dame and leads Quasimodo away. Zephyr bumps into Sarusha the circus and tries to like ask him if he can join, but he gets blown off and he just gets an autograph. Phoebus questions people in the square looking for Madeline. Uh, And then we cut to the gargoyles playing with figures in the tower, um, like Quasimodo's little figures he makes, and then they hear people coming up, and it's Sarush and his men. And um, they spot the bell, La Fidel, and at first Sarush is like, I don't understand. This bell isn't pretty. But then he sees the shiny (laughs) reflections, and he's like, oh, it is pretty. Um, So he's going to steal it. Uh, and the gargoyles try to stop him, kind of. Uh, yeah, they do a not. They good immediately job. trap themselves under a different bell. Like they really, mm-hmm. they really, they really shrewded it. Uh, and then uh, Quasimodo and Madeline are walking together near the river during the beautiful sunda- sunset. Quasimodo wants to ask her to the festival, but she starts trailing off, saying that she's not who he thinks she is. And back at the tower, Zephyr spots them stealing the bell. Oh, no. Um, and then, like, he spots them stealing the bell. This is where he spots Sarush doing magic. Just real magic. Just. Yeah. <laughs> this is. <laughs> is this what he does, the spell? Yeah. Yes. Adve Mysterium Obscuro Tintanobilum Mirabile Visu Expo Facto. I assume when I say that you're you're gonna put some like 
echo and reverb behind it to make it sound super cool. It already sounded super cool, Kyle. Everything you say sounds super cool because you're super Good. cool. Thanks. Um, Appreciate that. The, I'm not going to put. I'm not going to do that because uh, <laughs> I'm lazy and I don't want to edit that in. So you should have had more reverb in your voice if you wanted it. Uh, I should have recorded it. Like you when I did have. the yeah, you're gonna have to send me that intro, I guess. <laughs> Cold open. Um, <laughs> it's our it's on the drive. Don't good. worry. Um, okay. The gargoyles start trying to escape, right, so that they can uh, stop Sarouche. And by banging their heads into the bell, it starts to ring. Which back at the river or whatever, Quasimodo hears that and he's like, "Oh shit, something's up!" So he starts running back to Notre Dame. Uh, despite Madeline's protesting. And then, oh man, I had such a great bit for this part in the first one, Kyle. My notes still have my great bit. <laughs> Whatever. This is when Jim Cummings shows up. Oh, God, it's Cummings himself. No, I forgot what you said. I wiped my memory oh, clear. You, I want to hear the full you bit. Hear, yeah, this will be great. Let me, let's recreate this bit. This is a dramatic reenactment. Okay. Yes. And then, Kyle, something weird happened. Did you get like a really? yeah? Something I got like a a sudden, immense feeling of relief. Did you get that? No, I don't get it. Wait, I know what you're talking about. Oh, so you're saying it was just me who felt a sudden surge of Cummings? Oh God, it's Cummings! Wow, that was great. It's coming. Even better than the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, he runs out of the church. We see he's he he's recast for the uh, the dude who's in charge of the church, or he's playing a different like pre head priest. I don't know because they don't look the same. Um, how many archdeacons are there? Because he's that's how he's credited. Yes. So. Well, the, I mean, it's been six years. The old archdeacon might have died. Maybe he died while True. a bunch of guards were sieging his fucking cathedral. Maybe he got know. transferred. I don't know. I'm not sure if the Catholic Church. Does I, I, I'm do sure they do. I bet they transfer their people. Around. I'm gonna like, guess that the Catholic Church has had a lot of cause to transfer a lot of different members yeah. <laughs> out of town, Kyle. So yeah, I think they do transfers. Um, you're accusing that poor archdeacon from before. Are you can you're you're? I'm not saying you're, that. You're saying he is a I'm, that he's a pot. I'm not file. saying he has come down with a case of puppy love. I'm merely saying that he <laughs> works in an organization that definitely has infrastructure in place designed for relocating somebody from the town. <laughs> so could have been that he maybe maybe Jim Cummings' character is the puppy love uh, oh, culprit, gosh. and he's been swapped into this town. Really makes you question letting Zephyr hang out in that cathedral now doesn't it not good uh, jesus christ this is the darkest topic uh, so, <laughs> uh he runs out and he tells him the bell's missing and phoebus realizes that uh he's been a fool and sarush was behind it all all along which is so obvious um but Quasimodo asks Madeline if she knew anything about this. And she's basically like, I did know, but you don't understand. But he won't listen, Kyle. He says Notre Dame. And he, uh, he goes into the, <laughs> into the church. Uh, and just like, she's like trying to get him, Quasimodo, listen. And Phoebus arrests her. And, you know, we're all sad. That's a real, that's a low point. That's the low point for their relationship, Kyle. That's low. Classic rom-com yeah. series of misunderstandings low point. 
Yep. Um, he tries to climb uh, the stairs and starts breaking down in tears. Uh, he mopes and he has like a flower. He starts doing his little she loves me, she loves me not thing with the flower, which is like just a weird choice. I don't, <laughs> you know, she doesn't love you right now. Like that's what you're thinking yeah. is. So why are you even playing with the flower? The flower is like a game you play when you have a crush that you haven't admitted to somebody, you know, to like work up your courage whatever Mm -hmm. uh the gargoyles like hear him or they see him or whatever and they're like yo zephyr got snatched and that's quasimodo's like oh shit that's my boy so he runs out of the church swings out of the church to go save zephyr um and then the shows basically like the guards try to go to the circus to question look for you know the criminals but the circus is completely gone they try to uh close off the city limits so that nobody can escape but they can't find any of the circus people um uh and then there's just a brief moment where like Sarush finds actually I guess I'm confused I thought the circus people grabbed Zephyr but I guess he just sneaks away after them himself yeah cause Sarush discovers Zephyr hiding on his boat we find out that he's using the sewers, the catacombs. He's like on a boat under the city, basically trying to mm-hmm. escape. And Zephyr's stowed away on the ship, and he finds him. Another six-year-old for Sarush to uh, take under his wing, I guess, and manipulate. I don't know. Um, take under his wing. That's what he does. Yes, as he protects the kid. Of course, he's the hero of the story. He's a hero. He's getting. He's hey. Zephyr's obviously going through some shit in that cathedral, okay, with this new (laughs) archdeacon. What six-year-old do you know that is so desperate to leave his family and join the circus? Huh? Something's going on. Okay? Not good. Um, Not great. No. Madeline, uh, they're like at police HQ later, and Madeline tells them that he's probably using the catacombs. Um, And Phoebus is reluctant to uh, trust her at first, but... You know, I think Quasimodo shows up and is like, they've got your son or whatever, so let's trust her. Because Madeline points out that the elephant trick was always done with a secret tunnel underneath the elephant, right? Yes. So naturally there must be a secret tunnel under the city that Zarush is using. That's all fine. But none of that explains how he makes a bell go from the top story of this cathedral (laughs) to underneath the city, other than actual teleportation magic. Yes, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, there's just no possible way that that occurs without him actually doing real magic. Yeah, because there's it doesn't it doesn't drop through the tower. No, and create a massive hole. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lunacy. Um, but so he uses magic to get it under the city so he can escape. I guess uh, they decide to go into the city to look for him, taking Madeline along as a prisoner. And once they get down there, they run into uh, Esmeralda slash Zephyr's goat Jolly, um, and he starts leading them toward the bad boys. And Kyle, speaking of bad boys, how about those thick bad boys, Sarush's guards? Am I right? Yeah. There yes. This is now the third time I have made a joke to you about how thick these guards are, both before recording, gets, in the second yeah. recording, and the third. Is it getting better each it time? <laughs> it's getting better each time. All right, good. It is. Um, 
They are thick. They, I do like their faces a lot, actually. The guards. Yeah, they look. They're because cool they looking. they're like there's two of them, mm-hmm. and one has the theater happy smile, and the one has a theater sad smile, and I just like that. That is a that's them. a cute touch. That's a cute little touch. They're wearing like all red, right? Are they like red and black jestery type yeah. things? I can't remember, yeah. but yeah. They, Anybody who's like big watching along at this point, pause the movie which has been over for at least 40 minutes because the movie's only an hour long and we're like an hour and <laughs> well, 40 they pause it. That, this is what I assume most people would do with, as they listen to this podcast is they they watch and then they, I guess they pause and then they they listen to our podcast part up until when they've seen gotcha. it. And then they hit they must hate it when we have to backtrack them. They have to rewind to find the spot. And then by the time they find it, we've already moved beyond the backtrack and they got to fast forward yeah. to catch back yes. up. That would have paid in the ass. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so while Saruja is busy admiring his like good looks, he's down there just looking at a mirror at himself, and then he looks up, and suddenly he's surrounded by guards and our gang of helpful friends or whatever. Um, they command him to surrender, um, but he then like whips Zephyr out of thin air, right? Like. Just, whoosh, I've got this kid, yep, though. Just, here he is. Yeah, and he tells yeah. them, <laughs> he tells them uh, to let him leave or he'll kill the kid. And Madeline is like, yeah, he'll fucking, he'll kill that kid, guys. <laughs> like, you should let him go. Uh, and Phoebus, Phoebus and Esmeralda, like, is this the first time that they're just like, wait, <laughs> I, I forgot about Zephyr. Like, <laughs> I guess, you know, yeah, like, like they, they're not really that great of parents to not know where their kid is most of the time, right? Yeah, I guess they're just really depending on Quasimodo to do the parenting, it seems like. You know? Yes, like Quasi, where's our son? (laughs) Wandering the streets of Paris. I don't know. Well, it's it's a small town normally. That's a good element. They got rid of the creepy murderer sexual deviant judge or whatever, so things are probably pretty chill normally. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but they they are worried now that they see their son is in danger, so they relent, you know. Um, they'll let him go, but Madeline then kind of urges Quasimodo. She's like, "Set me free! I have a plan. I can stop him." And he's reluctant to trust her, but she convinces him by saying to Quasimodo, she looks at him and she calls back to that iconic line that we all remember, where she says, "There's more <laughs> to me," and he's like, "Oh, yes. that's what I said." I agreed to that, so I have no choice but to untie her now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he he lets her go, and the two of them run off. Um, and then they run off, and they like get up on a a cliff. This is such a weird, convoluted rescue mission. Yes, they, this is the worst. It's the stupidest like, idea ever. It it's it, it rivals like Morgana's evil plan <laughs> of trying to send yes uh, send a melody, melody to the. To the- to the city, to, to the one place that she, to the city where of the people that are looking for her and know what she looks mm-hmm. like to steal the trident from from Triton. Yes, you know that it rivals that. That's an evil plan. This is their good plan. That's just well. No naturally, certain. the only way to save a kid who's on a boat in water is to throw a rope across a cliff above those people. Have Quasimodo hold the rope taut <laughs> while. Yeah. <laughs> while Madeline tightrope walks across the rope and finally gets to execute her skill that she's been practicing so she can swoop down and grab the kid out of Sarusha's hands. This this is a this is a 
Fast and Furious Vin Diesel yes. moment, right? Like oh, this yeah. is something you absolutely should expect in in a Fast and Furious movie where Vin is like, I'm a, I'll hold the line. I guarantee you, know, you if Vin then- did it, he would be holding <laughs> two tight ropes that he's in the middle of them. Like yeah. screaming <laughs> yeah. while like people are running, like families are running across them to Family. escape. Yeah, get out of it here! Would... <laughs> they're split, sprinting out, and then somehow as they get to the other side, yeah. he rips the cords free from their tethers. Yeah, and then uses those giant whips to do something. Yeah, I could yeah. see him Cause... just using one to like rope swing like over like an explosion or whatever to get to the other side or something and land yes. completely on The Vin Diesel memes about family are like That has right kicked now. off like today. It's everywhere today, the family yes. and meme. It's like a little it, it's a little silly to me. Like it's I don't know why it's kicking thing. off now because I feel like the family bit has been like a meme to me for the last like 12 years of Fast and the Furious movies, you know? Like yeah, like this one is just as much about family as every other yeah. one is. I don't know why it's with, just kicking that, off because so. I always would make jokes like the family, family, you know. In fact, yeah. <laughs> we were playing, we were playing Blockbuster, the movie, the game, or whatever. And one of the rounds is you can only say one word to try to make the person guess the movie that you have, right? Oh, cool. And I had, yeah. I had Fast and the Furious. And I said, Easy, I said family, family right? And and yeah. they didn't get it. My teammates oh, well, did not we, get it. You play that with us, yeah. and we're like... And I didn't just say... Furious. It's not like I was just like, family. No, you know I went, family. family. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. I couldn't believe. they. He was like, well, when you say something about cars, I'm like, because Fast and the Furious isn't about cars, it's about family, okay? Because you can't even say, like, quarter mile, right? Yeah. Like, that wouldn't... No. I could have maybe said Corona was the only other direction I could think, but then you might. Yeah, that could work. But given our current times, you might think I'm just alluding to some sort of pandemic film, you know? You could have also said, like, Paulina, because I think that that there's a kid. Or, um, is his kid. So he has a kid in real life, I think, that he named after Paul and I. Walker, and I think it's Paulina. What the fuck? Because in the movie, the kid's name is. Brian. Is, uh,. Brian. Brian Jr. It's, yeah, it's, or whatever. It's named after. I don't character. think that I could have said Paulina and expected anybody but the most ardent Vin Diesel supporter to then go, oh, Fast there's and the Furious. There's a lot of words you could have said yes. in our household. We would have been like, boom, there it is. If you say literally any word in the Davidson household, <laughs> Fast and Furious <laughs> comes up, I'm pretty sure. You could have said hockey puck. That's a good one. <laughs> what is that, a hockey puck? I guess I could have said NOS. If I said NOS, would you, uh, you think? Nitrous NOS. Yeah. I think so, yeah. That's my favorite part of Fast 9, to divert for a second, is that when they're in space to propel themselves, they still fucking fire up, like, the thing of NOS. That's the the fucking dumbest thing. (laughs) I love love it. it. That's the best part about them being up there, is is that NOS part. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Okay, well, yes. back to our other ridiculous plan. Um, yeah. yeah, so she tightrope walks while Quasimodo's holding the rope and kind of swoops down and grabs the kid while Sarush is not uh, paying enough attention, I guess. Um, and Sarush is like, what are you doing? She's like, just standing here and looking pretty. Boom. Um, <laughs> it's just like, here's the thing about this plan, okay? And kind of a criticism slash question I have in general 
why could Quasimodo, Quasimodo is like the Hulk. He could have swung yes. down there and just beat the crap out of Saroosh so easily. <laughs> It'd be so much well, safer, I how feel does like. he? How is Saroosh going to kill the kid? I guess, well, I mean, I guess he... Does he have a knife? I don't know if he has a knife or not, but he is a magician who can uh, send people to alternate dimensions, I assume. So maybe he can... <laughs> and he absolutely will. Like, part of the, him holding the kid hostage is... Uh, yeah. Is... Uh, is Madeline saying like, "Hey, no, like he will like murder." This yeah, it's fair. So I guess they so, do need an element of surprise. Um, even still, when she after she grabs the kid, Quasimodo should somehow leap down there and just beat the crap out of him. Yeah, because because the, the physics of him swinging are never really perfect. No. You know, he can swing pretty much anywhere with with his rope. It's kind of like in the old the the oldest Spider Man like PlayStation One game that I had. Mm-hmm. Like Spider Man to swing to the different things would just kind of like swing normally like. Like straight up, into yeah, the sky. straight up at nothing. I know sense. that one that you're talking about. On yeah, I've played so that. So Hunchback could use that. He so Quasi Q could use that that skill that he has apparently and just swing in and swoop Zephyr out. But he doesn't use his, his magic powers, I guess. Um, sorry, you called him Q, and my brain wanted to somehow link him to QAnon. Um, jeez, <laughs> oh, that's what it stands for. Yeah, that's- this. Quasimodo is uh, the secret. Yeah, he is Q. Uh, now we finally cracked it. Uh, well, it's like the Proud Boys, right? Is from a uh, yeah, it's from the Aladdin. It's, from. it's the Aladdin song yeah, that got cut out, where she's song. singing about how she's proud of her boy, and they cut it out. I don't remember why they actually cut it out, but a bunch of losers took it as like they don't want men to be proud of themselves or whatever. Like Disney's trying to. Yeah. You erase our pride and stuff, and so now they're the Proud Boys or some fucking stupid shit. Yeah, so it's like that. Yes, it's that's where Q comes from. Um, but I did want to ask you your medical opinion. Quasimodo is so his body is broken and misshapen, right? Mm-hmm. Like I get that he rings bells all day, so he's kind of strong. But would you even be able to get that physically strong with such a broken down? misshapen body like he can literally like pick up Phoebus with no effort in the first movie or he can hold this rope that like this woman's walking across like I would think that his obvious spine deformation would be a huge hindrance in range of motion that would allow him to develop muscle to to me his um his strength like partly a lot of a lot of our strength a lot of our um uh tensegrity of our body is in the bones of our body like we put a lot of weight on our bones right mm-hmm. when we stand up you know when you stand up straight like your weight is just on your bones if the bones weren't there we would just kind of like collapse into a pile of meat there's nothing strong to hold yes. them there to me his physique where he's hunched over like that mm-hmm. means that he probably relies on his arms like a ton so he's just used them not just for bell ringing but for like swinging around so to me it makes sense that he's like buffed up because what happens if if you move a certain way like take for me instance like i like throughout my back right yeah. so i'm using different muscles to like lift stuff and the when you when you break part of your body you 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 use the other parts that you haven't used very much in the past and those the other half kind of will get sore so that that's what i run in what i've run into pretty frequently with people who like injure themselves as wow my knees are like like 
killing me or like this part of my back is killing me ever since I twisted my ankle. It's because you're using that muscle more and you're not used to using that muscle. So mm. to me, to me, I, it makes sense that he is like buffed and. You mean like how my left hand got normal. tired from jerking off so much when my hand, my right hand was on the cast. exactly. Yes. I just yeah. I was debate. It was like a minute of me like, do I say this this joke that is like <laughs> it's just the whole time I hate myself. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, because he's like buff in the forearms. Yeah, I guess right? it's just it, like I, you don't really it makes sense. Get I guess that's fair. That buff in the forearms, unless you're really using your your hand strength that much so to me it to me it makes sense i guess it makes sense. i just um, find it hard to believe with his physique that he wouldn't be in such extreme discomfort like swinging around and doing stuff oh yes he should be in a lot of pain like he should be in a lot of pain all right well he's no longer because he's found love kyle because we're getting to the end of this movie yes. uh so is arrested and we fade to the beautiful festival where quasimodo rings la fidel to people declare their love for each other jason alexander's gargoyle gets a boner from a goat licking him it plays a boing sound effect it's weird esmeralda and phoebus it's make up i'm just <laughs> plowing through esmeralda and phoebus make up and announce their love to each other phoebus's horse finds a chick madeline shows up and she and quasimodo proclaim their love and kisses zephyr takes over ringing the bell and then we pan over and we see madeline and quasimodo quasimodo's two dolls standing together in the city and we fade out and it's the end Kyle and I'm so happy I could just mildew mildew yeah god that line you love that line Favorite that's line the, gargoyles. the gargoyles yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> just plowing through the end there folks let's just get it done love the ending love the ending of the two yes both of us fans of that it's sweet it's a genuinely sweet little moment of them I wish that the town yeah. dolls were maybe in it a little bit more that was something we well, I guess we'll talk about our final thoughts in a second. Um, but yeah, then there's just uh, we get Jennifer Love Hewitt's song that plays, which is it's nothing. It's a pop song or whatever. It, not worth the wait. No, definitely not worth delaying this movie for potentially years. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Kyle, should we get into our best performers? Let's who do could it. it be? Who could your best performer My best. be? Who could it be? My best performer is Michael McKean as Sarouche. I think he does a, a. I think he went all out for this, uh, for this villain. Um, I think the villain himself, Sarouche, is is fine. I don't think it's a bad. I don't think he's a bad villain. I think he's got a little motivation there. He's not. He's not out for revenge against anybody. He's just very self centered. Wants to make. Wants to make a lot of money. It's pretty simple, but. Um, but I like it. I like his performance. Um, I'm giving him. A uh, well, we talked about the awards, but I'm I'm giving him a hand whittled model of his of his character of of Sarouche as a as a best performer award. Beautiful. I still think you should give him a little La Fidel since that's what his character was after the whole time. But you know, oh, <laughs> uh, my best. Perf- what, do, what do you think means more to him? Like something that his character had motivation for, or like just a little whittled model? of his character you know who he probably doesn't remember yeah i'm gonna be character. honest i think if you asked michael mckean if he was in this movie uh he would be like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> what are you talking i wasn't about? in that no no way uh, my best performer kyle i am giving it to our to QAnon himself tom holtz uh because i'm Ooh. a big fan of the way that he uh, you know, informs us all about the things that the liberals are doing uh, and helps uh, keep us good, proud boys in the know. No, uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, I like Tom Holtz as Quasimodo. 
Um, I just find him charming. I think that there's something about the character that I connect with because I like Tom Hulse, I think. Um, and even that way that we talk about how he's not a great singer, it just brings more personality to the character. And I think he does a good job making him likable across both films, although Michael McKean is also an outstanding choice. It's a great cast this time around, mm-hmm. all in all. Yeah. <sighs> No dull performances, no. really. So I, I'm gonna give, I'll give uh, Tom Holes. I'm gonna send him. Um, if anybody would want the figure of himself, you would think it would be him. Uh, I'm gonna send him a mirror, a one ordinary miracle as his reward, Kyle. Wow, that's a powerful <laughs> yeah. gift. You have the ability to give people miracles. Well, after after uh, Zarush got uh, arrested, I stole his powers. So, uh, oh, yeah, okay. I can wow. I can do one ordinary miracle. That's how much I have. I'm like Tim Allen in the Santa Claus two. My magic is almost run out. Uh, I see. I've got just Good. enough for one miracle. Great. <laughs> oh goodness. Cool. Should we? Uh, final thoughts. Do you want to go first or should I go first? I'll go first. You go first. Um, overall thoughts. Um, I like I said earlier, I was invested in, invested in this movie. I I it was a it's a very quick movie, right? It's less than an hour. Yes, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like fifty nine like, minutes when the credits hit. Yeah, I wish that my main criticism is just I I wish I cared a little bit more about the main characters. I wish there was something in there to make me feel like it's it's make me like really root for them more than just like rooting against Sarush, I guess. Um, they uh, they kind of just bank off you liking them from the first movie instead of like establishing anything more likable about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm changing my rating, and here I'm changing my rating from when we talked about oh, this before. Oh, this is huge! Because okay. I've had a little bit, a couple more days to think about mm-hmm. it, and the things that have stuck with me, I've had I've had a little bit. Like the things that have stuck with me that I liked have stayed the same. I really liked, I liked the the way the plot went. I thought it was actually well thought out for a lot of it, um, with good some good payoffs that were that were li- likable. But then I just remembered how terrible this thing looks. <laughs> like the animation is so bad, yeah, is. and the songs are not great. And so I have to dock it a little bit. I was from my I story. was really hoping you were going to go up, and it was going to be like a, go up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm going down a little bit, and so I had it at a three, three and a half out of five, but now I'm going down to three point two five out of five bells. So beautiful. Well, they're ringing. All right. Well, for me, this movie to me, it is like I, it's competent, right? It's a very competently put together hour long movie. It hits everything it needs to hit fine well enough I agree with you that I do wish that I almost wish it were a little bit longer to flesh out some of the character beats a little bit more make us care a little bit more about them uh, and the things that are going on with them um, but my other than the fact that it looks bad um, and that uh, like the songs are mediocre the thing that I was hung up on the most is just that the original movie is a big swing with not full contact on the ball, right? It's a big swing, mm. but they, they hit the ball, they sh- they shank it off to the side. Maybe it goes a little foul. This movie is like a bunt 
that you get onto first base with. Uh, and I think that that's, that's fine. They're different approaches. This one is more what I would have imagined the first Hunchback movie would be. Just a movie about learning self-love and he gets the girl at the end and it's kind of a cheerful, fun Disney movie. But because it is a sequel that has an established world and formula, or not even formula, but just like tone to it, and it's such a radical divergence, I think that is why people don't like it. If this just came out as like a TV movie on its own, like Hunchback of Notre Dame, an hour-long TV movie special, and it was the only thing Disney ever made, I think it would probably have like more people who were like, people are sleeping on this. It's actually pretty good. Um, but due to that kind of uh, baggage that it has from its progenitor, much like Quasimodo and Madeline, who have intense parental baggage uh, from the people that <laughs> raised them, the best I can give this movie, even though I think it's competent, is I'm going to, you know what, Kyle, I'm going to change mine because you like it so much. I'm going up from two out of five to 2.5 out of five tolls of the bell nice. for this Woo. movie. Just in yes. honor and of I, you. We're moving closer thank together. You. I appreciate that. Yeah. I also wanted to just add that I do like the 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 mirror where it's like, oh, it's another, you know, um, Madeline is is like Quasimodo a lot where she was raised by a terrible, awful person and is like trying to figure that out. Yes. And so I do like that mirror side of it too. And I think it's just a nice choice for, for the movie. Honestly, a boon for this movie talking about Madeline. It's like the fact that they gave her anything that she wanted to do or was like, had like a strong, uh, a goal of some sort, a dream is by, 2000s movie standards like great for a female character you know that they bothered to give her anything other than she's beautiful and conflicted and the love yes like (laughs) so good for them um i like that i'm gonna give that credit for my half my half bell raise or whatever so we did it kyle again we did it hopefully for the last time (laughs) we did it gonna delete my audio right so now do it again third time's the charm they do say <laughs> um you know what kind of but is it time for a game do you think yes i am ready because thank god i i made a game that i remade just for this kyle you've heard of quasimodo i've prepared mm-hmm. a game called quasi mottos i have taken famous product slogans or just in general, like mottos for companies, slogans. And I have, through the use of a thesaurus and just general rearrangement, uh, kept their, tried to keep their kind of core idea, but uh, coded them up so they're cousins of their former self, we'll say. Uh, and it is. Well, I, not, I have a question, though. Yes. A slogan, is that really a motto, though? Oh, thank you. Great, yeah. Bring it up, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Kyle is a... Yes, I, I texted Kyle when I came up with the idea for this game, and I was like, I don't know if it counts because a slogan's different from a motto. Uh, <laughs> so he's preying on my insecurities. So he's a villain. He's worse than Sarush. He's worse than the <laughs> Archdeacon who got transferred away. Oh, no, please. <laughs> okay, but an example, I'll use the same example from the last time we played Kyle, which was uh, a slogan example. The premiere a guy may capture. 
Yeah, the best the man a band can get. Exactly. Gillette. Gillette. So that is how the game works. I almost forgot that. One. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see how you do. I think that this this could go either way. This could be. Obviously, I had a murderer's row of the most famous slogans I could find that were catchy, you know, that I went with last time. So it was a little bit harder to find more slogans that were long enough to rearrange and rearrange in an interesting way. So we'll see if you do better or worse, because I will say you and Bless, neither of you really nailed it the first time. So, But it'll be fun for you listeners, I think. Okay. (laughs) Let's start the game. First one. Out the gate. The most jubilant habitat on the terrestrial sphere. Oh, yeah. The happiest place on Earth, Disney. Yeah, no. Had to do it. Disney World. Or is it Disneyland? Which one's the happiest? Are they both the happiest? I mean, if you're asking me, it's Disney World. Easily. Yeah. I'd be... Same. I'm so much less happy at Disneyland than I am at Disney World. It's not even close. Disneyland is the shot of espresso. Yeah. And... And Disney World is is a cup of coffee with with some toast. You know, it's 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 got a lot. Disneyland is like it's fun to go there if you've been to Disney World like four times recently and you just want like a little change. You know, like yeah, that's great. We'll hit up Disneyland and look at how quaint it is. Um, but yeah, I want to go to World. Okay, that one was easy. I figured you were gonna get that one. You got a ding off the bat. Boom! Proud of you. All right. Click, crinkle, bang! Snap, crackle, pop, baby. Rice Krispies. Ding, ding. Kyle's been studying. I bet he was looking up every... Chocolate Rice Krispies. I ate those almost every day of, of, I don't know, sophomore year of high school. It does not sound healthy to eat those almost every day. Yeah, I I mean, I used to... Well, no, that was was back when I had braces. That was even earlier. That was middle school. Because I, you know, Raisin Bran... We both agree it's a fantastic it's a be- it's, cereal. It's such right? a great cereal. It's so it's good. A number one cereal, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the one issue with it is if you have braces, the the brand gets stuck in your braces, mm. and it's really frustrating. And so the the cocoa rice krispies were were much less sticky. In Interesting. Them, I, I would think to. that the tiny little rice krispie pieces would be just as much of a liability uh, with braces, but it may be how you eat it. Because like right, like chocolate rice krispies, you don't need to bite and chew I forgot, right? yeah, you, I, for, I forgot that you don't chew your Rice Krispies you just take the bowl and you takes me 15 seconds to eat a nice big bowl of chocolate Rice Krispies but you don't have to chew them and, and with, with Raisin Bran there's a lot of material to chew through and it kind of goes everywhere in your mouth and you know I understand it, yeah alright Okay, well, you're doing pretty well this time, Kyle, I gotta say. Could be because I did these much more quickly earlier today, (laughs) earlier before recording. Um, Let's see. Okay, I think you'll get this one, too. Maybe not. It's a little... Well, why don't I just ask it? Consider alternatives to bread. Um... Think outside the bun, baby. Yeah. Taco Bell. There it is. He got it. <laughs> I figured Taco Bell, you would get there just based on that alone. Uh, yeah. Yes. I've, I don't even really, when I think of Taco Bell, I think of Live Moss more as their slogan now. Is that crazy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Yo quiero Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. They've had a lot, haven't they? Wow. Okay. Yeah. This one, uh, okay. No, no one out tacos the bell. Is that one that they. <laughs> 
No, oh. that's Pizza Hut. Oh, no one out Pizza's the Hut. Gotcha. Are they rev- <laughs> okay? All right. Well, that's just a lie because almost I, I every came place up with that as a Taco Bell thing that they should I do, understand. which is a blatant ripoff of the. They're pizza owned hut. by the same parent company, Yum Brands, so they could really. Yeah. Well, Yum Brands the, owns. The weird thing was, I was actually thinking about that concept earlier today that Taco Bell should do a thing of making fun of other brands slogans you were just um, mostly because i thought of talk about you mean first, while you were looking Wendy's up every famous up. slogan so you could prepare for this quiz because you knew it was coming <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why <laughs> shoot um, said too much he's outed himself um no i was just gonna say the fact that pizza hut and Taco Bell are owned by the same parent company actually annoys me now that I think about it because I was just complaining that at my niece's birthday party we had Pizza Hut Taco Pizza which is great right but Mm -hmm. it's only downside is their hot hot mild sauce whatever garbage taco sauce they have is just worthless (laughs) if I could get the Taco Bell like fire sauce to put on the Pizza Hut pizza they should be cross branding this am I crazy why don't they cross brand you know? They already own the. They're making two different taco sauces. It would seem they're packaging up. Why don't you just ship hmm. half of them over to Pizza Hut's instead of Taco Bell? Interesting. All right, let's see if you even know this slogan, Kyle. Youth analyzed, matriarch authorized. Uh, it's 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 mother approved, but it's kids. Kid tested, mother mother approved, mm. but um, what's it for? What's it um, for? Mm. Kid tested, mother approved. Uh, we were discussing uh, other products of this varietal earlier. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's like Play-Doh or something. It's, mm. What the hell are we talking uh, about Play-Doh? <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I abandoned what you oh, said because okay, I was like, I can't remember any toys we talked about earlier. Well, it's not a toy, um, Kyle. It's a cereal. It's Kicks. Oh, Kicks. I know. I don't think I ever had. I think I had Kicks once. It, I, actually, now I do remember having Kicks because I was surprised at how much I liked it when I tried yeah, it. Yeah, I liked Kicks a lot. Years when, and years ago. I liked Kicks a lot when I was a kid, and then I had them as an adult, and I didn't like them. I found them very bland. But I don't know. As a kid, I always just enjoyed something about the form factor of it, I guess. Even though they're just balls. I don't know what I liked, honestly, but whatever. Huh. <laughs> um, okay, Kyle, you are so far crushing it. I'll give you like a half point. You didn't know the product, but you knew the slogan, so whatever. Yes. Um, one left, although I had plenty of others I could have done, but I decided five was enough because I figured we were going to go long diving in a second time to Hunchback, you know, getting all that extra meat off the bone. Um, all right. This one has one little tiny tricky element to it, and if you struggle, which I don't think you will, I'll give you the hint on it, okay? okay. You're going to get it, though. A proboscis in distress warrants whiffs undoubtedly. Uh, what? Say it again. A proboscis. I'm actually not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, a proboscis in distress warrants whiffs undoubtedly. Um, what's what's. Uh, I, I think I need it. All right. The hint is that the product name is in here, but I have also used a thesaurus on the product name for this slogan. Oh, jeez. 
Um, I don't know. A nose in need deserves puffs indeed. Oh, puffs. Uh, puffs. Good. <laughs> Good. A noble effort, though, Kyle. I would say that you successfully uh, saved Esmeralda from Frollo smelling her feet or whatever the fuck he wants to do. Uh, you granted he, like, her sanctuary. her head at one point. Yeah, he, like, like chokes her from behind and is like, really dude, bad. it's so creepy. <laughs> Thank you, because last, last time I was like, like, damn to hell with 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 Frollo forever or something <laughs> yeah, like that. So. That's true. Thank goodness. You've clawed your I way out of hell. You've eat. redeemed yourself. The old ones, are you going to use those as like, I, I think you could like, you could tweet them I out. I think we tweet them once we release the episode. See if our listeners can get yeah, some. We'll tweet out the ones that the uh, the back catalog, deleted ones, the lost quiz. I've got them saved uh, in the same document still. But Kyle, we've successfully rediscussed the film. We have played a game. I think it's time we watch the trailer for next week's movie, don't you? Let's do it. Yeah, next week we are watching Tarzan and Jane. Let's pop on that trailer. Coming soon on video and DVD. Disney's Tarzan captured our imagination and carried us away to a world of adventure. The story continues in an all-new movie. Put your faith in what you most believe in. Two worlds, one family. Starring your favorite characters. Let they decide to guide these lives. To guide these lives we see. Tarzan and Jane, premiering only on Disney DVD and video. July 2002. Well, Kyle, it is a movie, and it is unfortunately, I think, one of our arch nemesis, the TV show episodes crammed into a movie. Woo! Failed TV episodes. Woo! Not uh, not excited about that, but you know maybe it'll surprise us. Do what do you, you like Tarzan? I like Tarzan. Heck yeah, I like Phil Collins. I wonder if he'll be really featured outside of the trailer. You know, I just don't <laughs> think they're gonna get he him back. Created another soundtrack for for the for the the episodes. Yeah. Tarzan's kind of Quasimodo ish. You know, they swing around. They're both like oddly strong animal-listic people, you know? Sure. There's a connection there, sure. I think. Also, probably just both old books that they're based on. Um, but, Kyle, that should do it for this week. So let's pop out the tape and turn off the TV. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please, for the love of God, rate and review, because we look at how we suffer for you. Six hours of talking about <laughs> The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. I think we should do this every week. We just this movie first, yeah, and then and then we just this movie. Oh, oh, you're saying we should discuss every movie twice and pick the better recording, maybe? No, the second recording. Always second, never the first. Okay, never the first. <laughs> just kidding. What a life. Ugh. What a real. 
please go follow our social media pages at Made for TV Podcast. That's at Made the Number Four TV Podcast. Thank you to Chris Ratzabout for our theme song. Thank you to Maggie for our artwork. Until next time, I'm Scott. I'm Kyle. Bye. <laughs>